excited to do today's episode. Oh my god, I cannot believe that this soon after Scream 5 was released last year, we are already talking about Scream 6. What the hell? I know, but wait a minute, who's talking? I'm Frankie. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's right. You're Frankie and I'm Jake. And if you're looking at the cover, I'm the brunette and he's the dumb blonde with the big tits. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the 4.0 GPA asshole. (laughs) (laughs) wait just to like piece this all together when we started this podcast there were only four scream movies now what the fuck i have to say i really think that our our podcast ignited the interest in the future scream sequels oh absolutely i mean i think people really really do believe us to be the uh the authority on scream and so yes this is the defining voice of the scream franchise Ah! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew it would be so high pitched? (laughs) I know. I know. So one very exciting thing that I have to say is that this is now of of, since Frankie and I have been friends, we have seen every single Scream movie for the first time together since we met before Scream 4 came out. So since then, in 2011... Uh, Frankie and I have seen Scream 4, 5, and 6 together for the first time, and we made sure that it happened again, because he, he came down here to LA, and yeah. we saw it together, which was so exciting. So because, fun. Just to reiterate, Frankie and I don't live in the same part of the state. Frankie lives in, in Northern California, I live in Southern California, and so, you know, we rarely get the opportunity to see each other in person, so Scream right. is absolutely the best excuse for us to get together, and we fucking did it again! I know, and it almost didn't happen. I had to make <laughs> the effort to, like, drive down to LA and watch this with you, because I was like, you're right, this is a special tradition. We cannot pass this opportunity up. It- that meant everything. It was so fun. And I, c- I couldn't imagine seeing a Scream movie without you for the first time and like having those imagine. reactions and like sitting next to you and being like, oh my God, this. Oh my oh God, that. my God. Like, yes. And this was the movie that I think got the most reaction out of us. We were fucking invested in this one. While I was very excited for Five, obviously, to reboot the franchise, like this one, when this trailer came out, like it had me so hyped. Like yes. I was, I was having dreams about this movie, like literal dreams. And I told you right a, a couple days yeah. before Scream Six came out, I told you I had a fucking nightmare that, <laughs> that this movie came out and that the Rotten Tomato score was seventeen percent. <laughs> and Holy I was like, shit. I could not hand. I was so upset. I was so disappointed. The movie had nothing to do with Ghostface. It had to do with a robot. Like that Halloween three. I, that was my anxiety. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like so worried 
that this movie wasn't going to do well but because I was so excited about it. So, um, luckily that is not the case. Have no fear because Scream 6 is the number one movie in America as we record this. And hey, I just and love Certified that. Fresh. Certified, certified fresh. fresh and it has one of the higher rotten tomato scores of the franchise so yeah so far scream 5 and scream 6 are literally on par with the almost exact same rating on rotten tomatoes with like a 76 or 74 percent or something like that which is pretty pretty fucking good pretty i will fucking say good for a slasher movie for a slasher movie that's on number six like, number damn. six Again, we're going to say this over and over in every Scream episode. This is the most consistent franchise of all time. Did anybody miss Sydney? Because I did it. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I was happy for her that they said, you know what? She's going to take her family somewhere safe. And I said, great. That's great. all I need to know. Bye. She got a little acknowledgement. <laughs> we know that she's alive. We know she's well. She's thriving. She was mentioned several times. We saw a picture of her illustrated. Yeah, yeah exactly. So... You know, her spirit was there. However, in this installment, I, she wasn't necessary needed. at all. She wasn't necessary. And I still think the film was super successful without her. Like, can't always be about her six movies in. Right. Like, let's give these new characters a chance to shine. And I think that they all do. And I can tell they put in the work to make sure that these characters really felt fleshed out. That they, they yes. become characters that we actually care for. They took the criticisms of Scream 5 and applied them to this one. Oh, 100%. Yeah, They're I listening mean, to the fans. Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what we need. You know, this mm-hmm. fandom is so vocal. And <laughs> yeah, they are. To the point where it's ridiculous. Right. Well, to the point where Scream 5 is literally about uh, toxic us. fandom. <laughs> 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 and so, yeah. You know, Radio Silence is so aware of what the fans want, mm-hmm. what the fan like they're fans themselves, and it feels like every movie that's come out so far has been like the greatest love letter to our favorite franchise in the world. So what what do you say? Why don't we just get into it? Can we get Absolutely. into it? Absolutely. Let's get started. Ooh, all right, everybody, get ready. I know you've been waiting for this from us. So this is Scream Six. Hello. Let's play a game. You know you're like the 10th guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. But there's never been one like me, Gail. I'm something different. Scream 6, released in 2023, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette. Our movie begins with Laura. Laura? (laughs) Now turn on the news! (laughs) Turn on the news! (laughs) Played by Samara Weaving. Welcome, girl. Welcome, bitch! Okay, radio silence, darling, little muse. I'm so excited. Yes. Laura is a film studies professor at Blackmore University. She sits at a bar in New York City waiting to meet her grinder date. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Flirter date. Her date calls her and says he's running late as he cannot find the restaurant. When she goes outside to help him, she is lured into an alley to find him before he starts speaking with the voice of Ghostface. Ghostface suddenly appears from the shadows, rushing toward her and stabbing her viciously. 
to death. He gives one last slash and title card. Just fucking kidding. That was such a game changer, dude. Oh, oh my, my God. God. A, a gag. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, we are in for something completely new. We're in for yes. something completely different. And I, which is exactly what we wanted. We were literally saying that in our last Scream episode. We're like, this is what I want from Scream 6. I want them to change it up somehow. And this is already doing that for me. Yes. Mix up the format. Yes. Ghostface removes his mask, and it is one of Laura's film students, Jason Carvey. (laughs) I was like, oh, great. Creative. Jason Carvey, played by Tony Revolori. He packs up his costume and heads back to his apartment. Along the way, he runs into Tara, returned by Jenna Ortega. Yes. (laughs) Yes! She's on her way to a Halloween frat party. When Jason returns to his apartment, he calls his friend Greg, with whom he plans to commit a new string of Ghostface murders to finish Richie's film. However, Greg is using Ghostface's voice. Greg proceeds to taunt Jason, teasing him into a game of warm or cold, to find him in the apartment. He leads Jason to the refrigerator, which opens to Greg's dismembered body. A vicious, weathered-looking ghost face, physicalized by Max Leferrier. I just had to mention that because he has to be probably the best ghost face so far. Oh, the physicality is so good. It's so intimidating. Oh, so It's so, so scary. So fucking intimidating. He was really yeah. fucking good. I hope they bring him back for future sequels. Hell yeah. He emerges from behind Jason and proceeds to savagely stab him to death. Jason pleads that they are supposed to finish the movie before Ghostface exclaims, who gives a fuck about movies, before giving him one last stab. Title card, Scream 6. Yes. Bitch, this, I'm like, that that line gives me chills. Like, it was like... I was like, thank God. But you know what? It was very indicative of what the movie was going to be about because we're so immersed now in this stab franchise uh, dialogue and lingo that now they're really bringing it back down to where the first two films, first three, the first, the original trilogy, honestly, really took, uh, really had a grounded approach, even though it was, you know, over the top slasher, you know, Hollywood. But this really feels grounded like the original trilogy, unlike where Scream 4 took it into like a stab thing. This really is bringing it back to the OGs. Exactly. Like, I think it was time for us to really put the stab movies on the back burner for a, a little bit like please like we've had enough of it we get it people have tried to recreate the, they want to make new storylines for the stab movies they're based on the stab movies you know okay we get it. the stab movies are a big deal but like let's leave it so let's like ground th- it so that line who gives a fuck about movies that is just like okay now we are moving in a completely different direction where it's no longer about the stab movies. This is going to be about something completely different. And that yeah. was so exciting to me because I was like, where is this going to go now? Like, this is now back to basics somehow. This is going to be about, I don't like, has nothing to do with what's come before with the movies and maybe Sydney's story and all that. Yeah. Like this, this is about something different and that like, it like gave me chills and we it were lucky enough chills. to, yeah, we were lucky enough to see it in a theater in LA, um, where it was packed Huge. and like the energy, the energy was fire. Like fans were there, but it wasn't like packed to where people were 
were, you know, being annoying and talking over it, like, because they weren't caring. It was, like, full of fans who were mm-hmm. invested in it and, like, respectful of us watching the movie, but were still vocal, like, when things were awesome. So, like, yeah. the cheers and, like, clapping when certain oh. characters came on. And it, it, yes. so when, like, he says, who gives a fuck about movies, like, the whole crowd went nuts. We were there, ah! Yeah, ah! Yes. They it was, like, kill, scream kill, too. kill, kill. <laughs> yeah. Stab you, man. Yeah. Um, I have to say, there was a boy sitting in front, in the row in front of us, like, a little yes. to our left, who was, like, reacting exactly as we were to, like, even, like, the little lines. And yeah. I was like, that bitch needs to be on Fear the Jungle Queers. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, it's, it was so refreshing to know that there are so many people out there that love mm-hmm. this franchise just as much as we do, but uh, they know they know every nuance, they know every line, they know every character and storyline, and you know, it, it just really fueled me knowing that. Like, yeah, it was, I was literally, it was, I was on a hopping. high. I I know it sounds crazy, and I know some of you are probably like, I didn't think the movie was that good. I don't know. For me, it put me on a fucking no. high. Then y'all weren't in the mindset to accept a <laughs> yes. new Scream movie because yeah. this shit was popping. I've seen it three times now in theaters. Yeah. And each time, whether the audience, that was the biggest audience. I had the second biggest audience the second time. And the third audience was like in the middle of the day. So it was kind of smaller. But everybody yeah. reacted. There were reactions in every single theater. And I was, so I know that the power of this film is beyond what any hater has to say. So fuck Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, then let's let's get into this let's opening. Let's start with Laura. Laura Samara Weaving. She did a great job making us love this character and the little amount of time she had on screen. Yeah. Come on, first international character that we've had. Like, yes. She, and I was loving she said, her. I'm gonna keep my accent. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I'm not going to. Yeah. Um. She, she was great. <laughs> and the nervousness, like you felt her in that in the moments where she's so nervous and saying things about you know yeah. oh who hasn't th- been on who hasn't been waiting for some sort of you know anonymous online date like everybody yes. felt like everybody's felt that i felt that yeah and she's like getting em- embarrassed by her word choices and stuff like that yeah and exactly that was so charming she did a very she played it very charmingly yes absolutely but then they still were able to sort of incorporate that meta horror thing by making her uh a film studies professor yeah, and you a, know associate professor of oh, film studies associate. so don't worry yeah <laughs> yeah ex- exactly yeah she's just an associate but yeah it was like you know we we're getting that sort of you know commentary on the genre she's talking about and we got that uh, first great line that everybody reacted to where he goes what's your favorite scary movie and she goes not that one not that one <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant he's like not stab yeah, because it does, it starts to tear it down a little bit. Like, it yeah. starts to take the ego out of the Scream franchise because it's like, yeah, not that one. That's sort of the first indication that this is going to be something a little different. Right, exactly. Because this franchise has had such a, a a reverence for the Stab movies, like the characters in it, all they want to talk about. They know everything about it, except unless yeah. you're Tara, who only likes to like elevated for her. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like everybody's so obsessed and they know everything about the stab movies. Uh, and she immediately is like, "Not that one. I don't care about that movie." <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I don't give a fuck." Yeah. Um, okay, the luring into the alleyway, perfect. Oh yeah, and I was like, I mean, it is sort of like one of those moments where you're like, 
uh, what are you doing? It like yeah. obviously incited a lot of audience reaction and participation. Like, girl, like why are you going to this dark alley? Um, but I don't know. It still still felt perfect to me. I was like, oh yeah, she's. But and then it and then the kill happens, which oh. is so quick. And you're like, oh my god, like wow, like maybe this isn't gonna be the the sort of hyped uh, opening that I heard because I we yeah. had heard. They're like, oh my god, people are like, this is crazy, the like, opening it's one of the insane. best openings. I was waiting for the Stab logo to pop up. They thought it was gonna be, like, a Scream 4 thing, where it's, like, the Stab movie. Like, Yeah, like a joke. Yeah, like a joke. But, no, it was really raw and vicious in the way that they filmed these murders. And this one was yeah. really gut-wrenching. Obviously, the next one is even more elevated. But this first one, yeah. I was like, whoa, shit. Because Scream 5 didn't really have that. It was, like, one and done a lot. Yeah, exactly. And she didn't even die in the beginning. So, you know, for this one to have Samara Weaving, who has, I swear to God, maybe one of the best screams in human history. Like, she... Oh. That, and I was just watching a clip of her on, uh... Was it James Corden? Where they talk about her scream, and she, she did the scream on the show. Because it's iconic. Like, that girl yeah. can wail. Yeah. Like, that and scream That's what we want to see insane. in Scream, right? Right! Please. Absolutely! <laughs> I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to hear screams while I'm watching the screen. I'm Who trying mean? to hear screams, Bob. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But then you know you're expecting because they set it all. They set it up the same way every time. There's the knife coming down and the screen and splits the open into yeah. the title card, and it didn't happen. And we were like, uh, yeah. <gasps> awkward. And all yeah, you hear it, is Ghostface breathing, and the mask comes off. And you're like, what? What? What am I? Uh, what? What? Like, what is happening? Insane. Insanity. Yeah. But it also goes to show where the setting is and how it's important that this is set in New York because he just takes it off, throws it in his backpack, and goes amongst the crowd, and yeah. like, nothing ever happened. Exactly. I think that it, it is... The setting is so important to this movie because it gives Ghostface so much more anonymity than he's probably had in the small town of Woodsboro or at Windsor College. Like, you know, the, the closest thing that it could come to is, you know, Hollywood, LA, but LA is not as compact as New York is. People no, are just on yeah. top of each other in New York. Everything, you know, there's crawling. crawling with people, crawling with people. And so, so New York is a perfect setting for a ghost face to to do his business and, you know, be able to blend in with the crowd as if nothing's happened. And, and that's exactly what we see here. All he has to do is stab this girl in the alley. Happens, you know, every other day in New York. And, you know, just took the, take off, takes off his little costume and, you know, walks away. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of New York, the HBIC is in the motherfucking house. No, I'm just kidding. No, but <laughs> there's a callback <laughs> to one of, you know, the major players that like, some people love, which is Jason Voorhees, because we get that great clip of Jason Takes Manhattan when Jason when Jason goes back to his apartment, and we're like, what yeah. a cl- We were waiting. Well, it was going to come some okay. way, somehow. I mean, it was so brilliant because, you know, people obviously have been making... The Jason takes Manhattan, Ghostface takes Manhattan jokes. <laughs> yeah. Since the tra- since it was revealed, yeah. since the posters came out and that it was going to be in New York City, and so for them to just immediately acknowledge that, like we're fully aware that there's another franchise <laughs> that went to New York and has this incredibly campy, you know, sequel. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was brilliant of them to acknowledge it right off the bat. They're like, oh yeah, we we're aware. We yeah. know that that movie exists, but this is not going to be that movie. I have to say, watching this three times, one of the most powerful moments of this um, of this section here was actually that monologue that um, t- Tony's Jason has, which is when he's talking about what it was like to oh, kill yeah. Laura. We've never really heard the killers. I mean, we've heard them say, I'm going to gut you like a fish and scrape the bone underneath and stuff like that. But yeah, like, we've never heard somebody like just chilling at home talking about, right. I just killed this girl. And honestly, like you can imagine that Billy and Stu probably had these conversations with each other oh, or Jill and Charlie, you know, where they're like, yeah, we, you know, it felt great to kill them. And they became like an animal. And the way he delivers it too, I was like, what a really great yeah. monologue for him. Right, and I think it just gives us a different perspective on the killers that we have not seen. We don't get, right. like you said, it's like we don't get to see these moments, you know, before they get revealed. We don't know anything that they're thinking. How they're until, planning it, what they're doing. Right, exact, exactly. That's a whole part of the story that we've always been missing. Something you new, know, something fresh. Something new, something fresh. And I and I appreciate that. I And yeah, he, and he sort of talks about how you know, the more I stabbed her, the less she more felt like a, just a piece of meat, like an animal. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty that's pretty scary shit. And you know, um, also the idea of him going out there and practicing just because he's ready to go on the actual killing spree, like that's true. Did did that happen? I don't know if we've ever had a ghost face that has maybe done that. You know, who has just yeah. gone out. Or had the ability to, since New York maybe offers that sort of... A bigger playground for murder. Yeah, a bigger playground for murder, you know? So the opportunity is there to go out and practice and just kill some random girl in an alleyway. And so he took it. He had blue balls and he was ready. That's crazy. Also another first, I would say, is that we've never seen one of our main characters in the opening before. Oh, Tara! Yes, yeah. She's That's she just it. wants to always be in the openings over here. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh wow. I was like, that was kind of. I mean, not that it's like a huge deal. It doesn't really, you know, change anything. But it is yeah. really interesting to see one of our main characters in the opening scene. It that was a has cute little intro to, to yeah. her reintroduce her character. And honestly, her acting is just developing just constantly. She's really great. And yeah, she, um, she's even so in this natural. little moment. She is. Okay, we get this callback to something from like an 80s slasher, Friday the 13th, very Halloween, where it's the reveal of Greg's body. Um, oh, at first he, I thought it I, to me it looked like a prosthetic at first, like it looked so silly at first. It's campy in a way. Yeah. It was like exactly. it was like when Laurie Strode is in finding all her friends dead and they're just hanging from closets swinging back and yes, forth and it's like Exactly. Okay. <laughs> But it, that was it, great. It, it was a great moment. But it also maybe looked like something that Jason Voorhees would have done, you know, some in yeah. Jason Takes Manhattan. Like, it, it, it is sort of silly looking. And at first, I didn't realize that it was the uh, that the guy he thought he was talking on the phone to. Um, the first viewing, it didn't yeah. hit me until the second time. I was like, oh, I thought maybe he had he was killed off screen. We didn't see it, and they never found his body. I didn't realize that he was in the refrigerator the first time until I watched it the second time. And I was like, oh. And then you see Greg. him start to open it and then close it while the phone rings. You know, and yeah. then the thing about the way it looks, like the <clears throat> dismembered bodies, we haven't seen something like that in Scream in a while. We find dead bodies here and there, I, but there's always like a knife sticking out, maybe some blood on the arm, you know, or something. Yeah. But dismembered well, completely? 
sure. And also, and I kind of mentioned this in Scream 5 too, is that we, it's kind of a new thing for us to see Ghostface kill people off screen. Yeah, yeah, we don't get that a lot. But like, I not until Scream, not until Scream 5, and when the cop is killed in the hospital that, yes. that Tara finds, like while she's trying to escape the hospital corridor. That's yes. the first time we ever see somebody killed off screen. Yeah, and I, well, and then like Roman, I guess, but like still, like oh, when it ends, when he ends up being the killer, it's not real. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but you're right, and I I feel like the level of dismemberment that they took with the Greg body, like, whoa, it, it kind of reminds me because everything else doesn't really match that imagery, you know. And it kind of reminded of me course. of the original Scream, where nothing really is to the point of Casey and Steve's death in the entire oh. franchise. They get fucked. Absolutely up. not. The only thing that I can think of that would pack that is maybe Olivia's death up to that point because Ooh, it was yeah, so bloody. That was pretty good. But other than that, like that image of of Drew Barrymore's lifeless corpse hanging from the tree, gutted, like that is Awful. one of the scariest images probably in, you know, slasher history. Yeah. And yeah, and we don't have anything ma- that vicious and you know, no. so to see this feels on par with that or like yeah Stu or sorry Steve's uh you know chili bowl yeah but yeah yeah the bowl of chili it was there but also it kind of felt like a retro callback to something that came beforehand so I loved it I appreciated it and then I mean we already talked about this but Ghostface popping up with that weathered mask the mask looks fucking fantastic oh it's so cool I love it so cool I know And, and and it makes it distinct because in a city on Halloween full of ghost face, how are we supposed to know who the actual one is? Yeah, of Lever, course, because Lever. they have their hands on all those old masks, so why not use yeah. them? Yeah, that yeah. was fantastic. And again, like, um, the Max Leferrier, who plays Ghostface under that costume, amazing, amazing physicality, amazing, um, just the way he did everything was so great. Yeah. It just looked fantastic. Yeah, it, it, he's like, He's swift. He's fast. He he's menacing. He like the knife he, movement. I, I, yeah, I think of that this the fight with Gale later when he jumps over the the, the couch. He's like it's all <gasps> it, yeah. Yes, it, like the wind. The wind that that the uh, costume catches is so fabulous. It's like, yes, yeah. I also love that in this universe that they've built for Greg and Jason in their apartment. You know, there's giallo posters and psycho posters and style yeah. posters and all of this stuff and this killer comes in he's like I don't give a fuck about none of this shit this does not pertain nope. to why I'm doing this and I love yep. that aspect of it it's so Scream 2 you know so um, so Scream 2 it's revenge <laughs> baby 10 minutes in and everybody that we've been introduced to is dead so <laughs> you know, all we gotta do now is find where our characters are that's right okay shall we move on move on we're reintroduced to Sam Carpenter, played by Melissa Barrera, who is attending a therapy session with Dr. Stone, played by Henry Zerny. Dr. Stone encourages her to discuss her own trauma rather than focusing on that of her sister, Tara's. He wants Sam to explain what, what exactly happened to her and Tara. Sam recounts the events of Scream 5, adding that after the events of the 2022 Woodsboro murders, a rumor started online that Sam was the actual killer and framed her boyfriend, Richie. The rumor spread like wildfire and was believed among the masses. 
Sam denies any involvement in the murders, but admits that when she stabbed Richie 22 times, slit his throat, and shot him in the head, it just felt right. Dr. Stone becomes unsettled and concludes their session, saying he'll have to report her admission to the authorities. Sam storms out of the appointment. Sam makes her way back to her apartment, where we are introduced to her and Tara's sex-positive roommate, Quinn, played by Leanna Liberato. She admits to Sam that Tara has gone to a frat party with the twins, Mindy, played once again by Jasmine Savoy Brown, and Chad, once again played by Mason Gooding, Mindy's girlfriend Anika, played by Devin Nakoda, and Chad's roommate Ethan, played by Jack Champion. Tara acts recklessly and agrees to go upstairs with a lascivious frat boy named Frankie until Chad and Sam intervene. Girl, not them finally having a character named Frankie and this is who he is. Girl, <laughs> bitch, it's you. I know. I honestly thought Frankie was going to be a bigger character. They I thought kind first, of, he was sticking around. I was like, go, yeah. go away. Or he had a couple, doing? he had way too many lines to not be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Tara's embarrassed by Sam and her overprotection, drunkenly pleading her to let her go. Sam is then ostracized in public, as many people believe the online rumors. Tara and Chad have since developed a romantic connection but are interrupted by Quinn before they can share a kiss. Sam secretly seeks out a physical connection with her hunky neighbor, Danny, played by Josh Segarra. Bitch! Oh, my, <laughs> my panties are so wet. Bitch. This has to be the hottest boyfriend uh, in the Scream franchise. Probably the hottest person, period, in the entire Scream franchise. Come for me. I don't give a fuck what nobody says. Honestly, seeing Josh Segarra and Melissa Barrera be the love interest of a Scream movie was like a fucking dream, dude. The sex appeal was like, whoa. Because I'm honestly sexually attracted to both of them. I feel a little bisexual watching Melissa Barrera and Scream. One hundo. Okay. And Josh Segarra. Thick Harry, daddy. fucking thick. Oh, my. oh, fuck. But even ju- not just being hot, he's also so charming. Fuck. He's like just, so adorable. If- Let's get to somebody who used to be cute. yes all right quinn's father detective wayne bailey played by dermot mulroney yes former hottie if you've (laughs) but i don't know still a daddy honestly still a daddy 100 so handsome yeah he calls salmon for questioning as her id was found at the scene of jason's murder along with ghost face masks used by richie and amber on the way to the station sam is called by ghost face from richie's phone who then attacks her and Tara, forcing them into a nearby bodega. Ghostface enters the bodega, killing several bystanders, including the bodega worker, with his own shotgun. The sisters manage to escape just as the police arrive. Ghostface has disappeared. Another Ghostface mask, this time from Jill and Charlie, is left at the scene. Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. All right, so yeah. Back to Miss Miss Sam Carpenter. We Sam won't Carpenter. talk about how hot she is. No. Now we're going to talk Let's about how fucked character. up she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. You know, I think something that I really appreciate that they did in this one is they fleshed out her character because people had a lot of problems with her in Scream 5 because they thought of her as the new Sydney, and because of where her character went with being Billy's daughter and being sort of this, like, problematic sort of character. And honestly, I have to say, the writing for Sam in Scream 5 is really bad. And she 
is totally elevated in this. I have to say, I really love what they did with Sam's character in this fucking movie. They took all the criticisms that the fans had about her in five and applied them to six. And they really did some great things and really allowed Melissa to to go there. She had better motivations, better, just, she was better written. The dialogue was better for her. So Melissa had a lot to work with here. And I think that she really shined in this like she did it in Scream 5. Oh, 100%. And I really think that it maybe comes down to her not having to be in Sydney's shadow. Like we, it's it's such a different, right. it's a, such a different movie because, you know, in Scream 5, we still had the anticipation of Nev and Sydney being in it. And she's right. our beloved heroine that we've had for, you know, 25 years. Like it, it's, it was hard for us to maybe accept Sam you know, even if she was she was already like sort of underwritten as it is. So for to have an underwritten character in conflict with our our favorite character ever, like she had no yeah. chance. So I think this one having the opportunity to have the, the movie focus on her and you know her storyline within this whole Scream franchise, I think really benefited her. And also, she, yeah, like you said, she got the opportunity to shine so much more and became a character that, I mean, I can only speak for me, but I was like, gen- I genuinely root for now. And I think that she's like our new heroic final girl that I, I can really get behind. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us also to Tara, because they sort of did this thing with the two of them where... I think that they know audiences, and first of all, Jenna Ortega's career just blossoming before our eyes, her talent growing and growing and developing. She, um, they elevated Tara's character to be just as important as Sam's, but in a very different way. So I feel like Tara is more in line with the sweet heroine that Sydney was, whereas Sam is more of this new, dangerous. um, Like you never know which way she's gonna go in this, and. that's really exciting to watch them develop those two characters to be the leads and how different they are. So you get a little bit of both. You get a little bit of callback to the heroines of the of Scream's past, yeah. but also you get something new and dangerous. And that's really fun to watch them play off of each other and play sisters, nonetheless, where they have these conflicting and clashing personalities. Um, but yet still complement yes. each other so well. Yeah. And Sam's storyline in this is so fucking interesting because... Sam being having this thing about her where it's like Scream 5 happened, yes, but now somebody started a rumor online that Sam orchestrated Scream 5 and framed Richie, which is such a I mean, honestly, that would be a really cool concept. It's sort of like the Jill storyline in a way. Yeah. This isn't the first time we've seen Ghostface try to frame somebody, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really um, cool way because she's the lead, you know? She's not some rando. So, like, having Sydney... Can you imagine, though, like, in Scream 2, if they were like, you know, Sydney did the murders in Woodsboro and she tried to blame oh, her boyfriend, Billy. That would be of course, um, crazy. It would be crazy, but it is such um, a relevant social commentary to today. I mean, yeah. you know, the world of social media that we live in, it's so easy for us... And also, like, we have this insatiable desire, I would say, to tear down people that we that are revered as being the best of the best or good, genuine people. There's still, like, a there's a or part just of... Famous. Or just famous <laughs> for whatever reason. And I think that we have this 
I don't know, weird, fucked up desire as a society to find something wrong with them and tear them down. And I think that um, that this movie really plays into that, this idea. And and um, it kind of reminds me of like the Ricky Martin thing, right? <laughs> that, that just, that, yeah. you know, this like, this rumor that he had some really inappropriate relationship with his nephew. Nephew, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. And it's like, you know... There's a part of you that's like, oh my god, Ricky Martin? No, we, he's a, never. He's a he's a he's an international treasure. We love Ricky. He's part of the community. He's this, but there's also like a part of you that's like, oh well, I, but maybe, well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, and that's all. And that's <laughs> we don't all. Know his life. Right, and that's all it takes. And all it takes is inst- is like putting that little seed bit, of doubt. Yeah, seed of doubt into you, and and you know it could change everything and how the public perceives you and. That, that's really what happens to Sam here where, where maybe she was the hero of Woodsboro for a few minutes but as soon as somebody went out and said you know what I don't know I have I have the evidence or I, you know I've heard that she actually was responsible for it well then all that does is like gets your wheels turning and be like well I don't know I guess I wasn't there how do I know whether she did it or not and that changes yeah. everything and so that puts her in such a a different predicament that we've ever seen any of our characters in where it's like her against yeah. the public. Now the public doesn't, you know, the public always saw Sydney as the victim. She was, you know, you know, yeah, everybody's favorite victim, victim star. Yeah, exactly. Sydney Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. now Sam doesn't even get that, that, uh, benefit of the doubt. She is now no. labeled as the person responsible. Like, could you imagine going through what you went through and then now being blamed for it, like that's insane, insane. That's an insane concept, but it's absolutely something that could happen in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. This touches on cancel culture, mob mentality, um, and we see it happen in action when um, you know she has this uh, scene with Tara at the party. She tases Frankie's balls and whatever, and we see this random girl just come and splash a drink on her. So. I guess we have to remember that stab and the Woodsboro murders and stuff is like national news and people yeah. know about this. And exactly. this girl throws this diet cherry Coke on her. And yeah. which I love that, that moment, by the way, <laughs> which is like, you got a problem with me, <laughs> bitch. Yeah. Oh the, my God. the Woodsboro's coming out. The Bay area. The, Woods- <laughs> the, Bay, the Bay area. And, and Sam is coming out. Yeah. She was ready to beat that bitch up. I would She's too. Ready to beat that whoop bitch's ass. I'm not, I have no doubts that Sam was beating bitches up in Modesto. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, that bitch would be... They'd have to scrape her off the floor. Okay, it's some crazy bitch. Yeah. Speaking of the party and Bay Area, I do have to mention that I love this about Scream 5 is that they used the underground rapper Kamaya's song in the house party scene. And I was like, wow, what a cool... I was like, that, I mean, I don't know if they were thinking like, oh, they're in the Bay Area, we should play Bay Area music. But they did it again in this one where they're reintroducing these Woodsboro characters and they used Two Shorts Blow the Whistle song. Ooh, blow the whistle. Like, the... Blow the whistle. Yes. What's my favorite word? Bitch! Yeah, I was living. And when I saw it in my hometown, Vallejo, which is, I mean, one of the... A good city... A good-sized city in the Bay Area, people were loving it. So good job on them for thinking. We saw that 707 area code for a second again, too. Oh, my God, I know, which is, like, mm-hmm. so amazing, considering that's our area code. Well, it was mine. Not anymore. Yeah. I, ha- I had Still to get rid mine. of my 707. 
And in exchange for My phone for number is 707. No, I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a great callback. Okay, so then we get Tara, who is sort of being conditioned for the audience as the, the new sort of Sydney, I think. Sam is like her own entity at this point. So I think yeah. that the, the the shoes are being filled by um, Jenna Ortega's Tara, which I think is a really great choice because she is very charming. Um, and she had some really great moments in this that really made us fall in love with her character. Yeah, I mean, it fleshed her out so much more. I mean, you know, in the first one, she's sort of, uh, she's just a pawn. Here and there. Yeah, yeah, she's here and there. She's not really used An accessory. much. Yeah, exactly. And so this one gives her so much more agency. It gives her more freedom to, um, you know, be a full-fledged character. I don't know where her asthma went, but uh, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no, they showed her taking Pepsi oh, and Haley like three times. Okay, then great. She still got it. I was it. like, consistency. Consistency. Good. Good, good. I don't know why I didn't notice. Maybe I did notice, but it didn't. It's it didn't, subtle. It didn't come into play, uh, you know, in the finale. Um, no, it's always <laughs> when they show her, like, at the beginning, at the top of a scene. She's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, but but she's, in a, yeah. she's in an interesting place because her and and Sam are in two completely different um, places when it comes to how they're dealing with it. And while Sam is, like, desperate for her to, like, to, like cope and deal, and, like, she's going to therapy and she's doing all these things... I think Tara is really taking a different approach, mostly because at the end of the day, I think she knows that none of it really has to do with her. Like she is not, she was never the main focus of the motive of the last movie. She's not related. Yeah. Yeah. She's not Billy's daughter. She's not Billy's daughter. She doesn't really have the same relevance in the murder storyline. Yeah. Or the legacy of it all. And so she's not really, you know, desperate to like cope with it all. She's more like, I just want to move on with my life. I want to be able to live my life, you know, as a normal person, because this really does not have to do with me. Yeah, at all. Um, I know that's a really interesting concept, but also like the way in which her character is dealing um, because there is this there's a lot of talk throughout the Scream franchise about genealogy we have cousins half brothers mothers <laughs> uh, fathers literally people for yeah, the, the sake of their family yeah and this, so this, this strange idea that. yeah the strange yeah. idea that we're predisposed due to our genetics to become serial killers or to yeah uh, or in Tara's case an alcoholic yeah uh, ex- exactly Something that we picked up on in Scream 5 during her text messages with Amber is that, you know, she's like, liquor cabinets unlocked, you know. And in this one, we see her drunk. Yeah, just the one time, but she's drunk. <laughs> and and yeah, it she, kind of... And she leaned into that drunk. She said, yeah. Sam, uh, you gotta let me go, okay? I know. But let me live my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, if I want to go upstairs, that I can go fucking upstairs, that boy. I don't give a fuck about Brett. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck about Brett. And then she barfs into her napkin like Brandy M. <laughs> Rock of yeah. Love reference, please, if you don't know. Rock of Love, yeah. Um, but, like, something I think you mentioned was that it's. Well, like her mother. I mean, if Sam is yeah. a natural born killer like her father, then why can't Tara be a natural born alcoholic like her exactly. mother? Exactly. And I do love that they do. Okay. We had some unanswered questions 
from Scream 5, which is like, where the fuck is the their fuck mom? Where the fuck is your mother? And I know, and they kind of mentioned that she was in London on a business trip, but bitch, if your fucking daughter got stabbed, I think you'd be on the, the next flight. Next plane. Oh, okay. yeah. And she, I guess she doesn't care. So in this one, they at least acknowledge again that we're like, where is her mother? And, you know, Sam explains that she, uh, she, she cut her off for telling Tara about Billy, which I'm like, this woman sounds nuts. Yeah, and then Tara cut her off because she wouldn't talk to Sam. And her yeah, and, and I'm, like, close. Okay. So I'm like, okay. What a great way. And then we find out that Gail Weathers' parents were awful too. Oh, yeah, she's like, so. my parents suck too. But it's just like, okay, Scream 7, here we go. I'm begging. Please bring this character in. Make her the killer. I Look, need she's to unhinged. I need to know a who's gonna play this woman. We need to see her in action. We need to see her in action. So yes, and so Tara's in college. Sam has followed her there to kind of keep her safe, keep her protected, watch over her, um, which I think anybody would do in their predicament. But they have this yeah. new roommate, Quinn, who is our slutty girl, our hot girl of the yeah. uh, of this sequel. Um, and again, I mean, spoiler alert, but I mean, if you are listening to this, you should have already watched this movie. You know, <laughs> we talk about it in depth. Um, this is something we talked about on the show as well. Make the hot girl the killer. It has never been done before. It has never been done before. And we were like, that would be a great twist. And they did it. I mean, she's coming from the Tatum and the... Um, and the, the Olivia's, and the CC and Olivia and, and the Candy and the Darling. <laughs> a candy <Is> darling. A <laughs> candy darling. Sarah Darling. Sarah Darling. I know, yeah. And the legacy of girls, but she's the only one now who Liz. has who has uh, joined the ranks of the ghost faces from the hot girl to, to killer. That's yeah, kind of exciting. And the female ghost face killers. And I really I think that she does a fantastic job. Yeah, I um, think even she's. in these small moments that she has where she's sleeping with all these guys. Oh my God. I just have to mention this, otherwise, I'm going to forget. She says that she's the one who attacks Gail in this movie. Yes. And I have to say, these bitches are bold, and, and these Ghostface Killer bitches are bold in these sequels because they're going after the headliners. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, between Amber killing Dewey and Quinn being the one to fucking take on Quinn getting Gale? a good one on Gail? Yes. Okay. But they did an appropriate height because Miss Quinn is pretty tall. She's almost as tall as Melissa Barrera if oh, you really damn. get to a good look. And. She has this great line as Ghostface when she's talking to Gail and she goes, too bad about your boyfriend. All those muscles couldn't save him. Ooh, that was a clue. That was, that a, was clue. a clue. Because she is sex positive and that is part of her character. So I love that she was sex positive, but also a crazy bitch. Yes, I but love- also <laughs> the fact that she could take down that man. Quinn ain't no joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a big ass man that she tackled from behind. And yes overpowered him i mean again we've all we always talk about it like once the ghost face costume is on like they are there it's a completely different (laughs) entity the most jarring reveal still is emma roberts yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think mikey madison is also um quite the stretch yeah the robe is just hanging off of their shoulders (laughs) that was not you yeah tripping over the robe because they're like five feet tall (laughs) Yeah, so Liana, Miss Liana Liberato, she did her thing, and I really yeah. even enjoy these moments of her as their roommate, just like sleeping with guys and like mis- like you know hiding the fact that she hooked up with somebody else, looking at Danny from the apartment, just like yeah. she has some really great moments in this, and um, 
I really love her character. This. Yeah, Quinn's a great character. Same, same. And then we we got to go back to our, our you know our twins. We got uh, Mindy, Mindy and Chad. And Chad. Uh, they their characters are so interesting. They seem slightly unaffected by what happened to them. Uh, Mindy's like compartmentalizing it, almost like seeing it as a movie that she was in. Literally, I yeah. Like. I think she's nuts. I think she's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, she has some really weird moments in like, here where like nothing is taken seriously by her. Yeah, she she has this moment where yeah, I mean we'll talk about it later, but Mindy, yeah, she but I I kind of feel like that's a choice made by her to like sort of I mean, we all do this. We, I think in some way, shape or form or another, all of us disassociate from life in some kind of way. Sure. And I think for Mindy, it's seeing her life as one of the movies that she loves really helps her cope with the tragedy. And I think that's what we're seeing with her. We see Tara, how she's dealing with it. We see Sam, how she's dealing with it. And I think Mindy's doing that. It's eccentric, but it's... I mean, I guess it would be... perfect for her character. I guess it would be as if you and I... We're somehow involved in some sort of slasher. Oh, bitch, milking it. <laughs> We'd be living. Expect a book and a movie <laughs> if I ever get attacked by a killer. <laughs> Fuck. And then Chad. Chad is alpha male, whatever. He's probably unaffected too. I will say in that shirtless scene, I did not see stab wounds. Where's the continuity there? And I will say, and I guess I'll just get into this now, even though it'll really come to play later. One of the biggest criticisms that I've seen so far of this new franchise, or, the, or this new chapter between five and six, is that these characters are a little invincible. That they're a, that they they Ooh. they survive too much, and that it lowers the stakes because it feels like no matter what happens to them, no matter how many times they get stabbed, no matter how many times anything happens to them. It's like nothing they happening. Going. They keep going. Like these are the Energizer yeah. Bunny of of slasher characters, and and I and I totally acknowledge that. I totally understand that. And but that's been seemed to be one of the biggest criticisms I've seen from fans of the franchise. Sure. Is that? But it's a slasher movie. I know, guys. but yeah, exactly. And I'm think I'm like, okay, but how many times has Dewey survived after being stabbed a million <laughs> times? Right. How many? You know, Sydney's been stabbed how many times? She's been stabbed in the stomach. You know, it's like. Yeah, it is. It's just part of. It's just part they of it. Used to I, I handle I, it, just, it better in sure. the old films, right? I think they handle it better, and I don't think as many characters were able to survive as much as these ones survive. No, I mean we were complaining about the same three characters living through all of those sequels, and now we're complaining about the same six characters. Yeah, it's like oh my living God. through these characters. So it's like okay, right. yeah, relax. But um, and then we have our new edition. Um, I think you called her Anika, like Anika Noni Rose, but oh, I think it's Annika. 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 I called her Anika. Oh my God. I love Anika Noni Rose though. Anika yes, Mirage. Annika. Annika. <laughs> yeah. And Anika or Annika. Um, great addition as well. I, should, I think I loved her performance and the moments that she had. We love a queer character. We love the oh, inclusion love of queer, queer characters character. in our slasher movies, in horror, in our favorite franchise. Like to see yeah. queer characters is like, ah, uh, finally we're getting our moment. Yeah, she was fun. She was cute. Yes, I loved uh, yeah, her pumpkin very, outfit. Yeah, very cute. I do have to say that, that moment when they're all standing behind Sam as Tara's confronting her, they looked like Scooby-Doo. She looked like Velma. <laughs> ja- uh, um, J- Jasmine. Mindy was wearing a purple uh, jacket over a green shirt. So it looked like Daphne. 
Oh my god. Chad looked like Fred with his Woodsboro jacket on, and Ethan was sort of wearing this like brown costume that could have just been Shaggy in one of the barrels that he's always or running Scooby. away in. <laughs> or Scooby. Yeah. Um, but they sort of looked like that, and I, I was like, is that a callback to Scream 3 and how it's constantly being like a Scooby-Doo um, reference? But you know. <laughs> I'm reaching. I mean, maybe. Uh, I know. I'm reaching. Don't I'm pull reaching. something without reach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and then we have Ethan, who... I will say, out of the trifecta of the killers we have in here, he's probably the weakest. He's the, yeah, for sure the weakest. The one that I... But the most unsuspecting, I guess? But they made him look like Richie, which I picked up on from the trailer. You're like, oh, he looks like Richie. They must be related. I literally thought, I said, I wonder if he's going to be related to Richie because they sort of styled him the same. Mm, interesting. And if there's one thing about Scream is that they love styling people after characters that came before. And I've noticed that a lot in this one. There's a lot of um, uh, waffle textured shirts and ribbed sweaters. And they <laughs> Scream loves them some textured shirts, girl. Even like Melissa Barrera's like kind of like ribbed crop toppy thing kind of looked like Drew Barrymore's sweater. <laughs> Oh, I loved everything that Melissa wore in this. Yeah. I mean, she barely wore anything. Yeah, yeah she wore a tank top and some jeans, and I was Tank living. top and jeans. I was fucking... I love how that, we that's, like, like, her uniform. Yes, yes, fantastic. Oh, so so let's get into the, the, big, the big set piece here, which is the bodega attack. Ooh. Ooh what this is, that- is good. I mean, it's it's one that we saw a lot in the trailers. It was sort of the main focal point right. of, you know really establishing what this new ghost face is going to be about. I mean, people lost their shit on the internet yeah. over Ghostface holding a shotgun in costume. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, he has shotgun now. But I'm like, it was so obvious what it was going to be. Right, um, of course. Obviously, he's going to take it from the bodega guy. But like, it it, it really was a change up, though. I mean, to, at this point, Ghostface is knife only right like there's never until the costume comes off then it's guns then it's guns yeah it's a bold move to take it into the public like this because somebody could have went in there and just took that ghost face down whoever that was and i but i mean that's new york that's new york for you that's new york that's That's new York. york yeah that's new york um, <laughs> that is New York view. Yeah, I, I was like, but I love, like you said, it's a big set piece. It's an iconic moment of this film. And that's something that is really important to this movie, um, especially because it does feel very much like the first two, which in, yeah. in hindsight, I mean, no matter how people rank these movies, we have to be honest with ourselves and tell each other, Scream 1 and Scream 2 really are, so far, the best two movies the best of, the, of best. the franchise. And they really, ha- they have Wes and Kevin Williamson, while I think that them as a team would never be able to pull off a Scream 6, that's just a matter of fact, Kevin Williamson's writing and Wes Craven's directing was of the time. And I don't think yeah. that they would have been able to do a Scream 6. Um, but they did Scream 1 and 2, and they did it well, and they always had great set pieces. They had Drew Barrymore in the home. They had um, Rose McGowan in the garage. They had they had, had Gail, Gail Weathers in the sound studio. Yeah, like, Gail Weathers' sound studio. Uh, Hallie and Sydney in that fucking car. Uh, fucking amazing some of the scene. Best. Some of the best of the best. Yes, yes. So we get, we are getting a lot of great moments here. Right, and this is exactly what Scream 5 was lacking. Scream 5 didn't have any sort of chase scene. The closest that we got was Chad's scene, and that was very short. And so for us to have, like, these, like, really tense moments of, like, 
chases or like, you know, uh, specific. That, that cat and mouse kind of like, I have to move slowly because I, you know, we have to be quiet while we move. Like it, like this bodega scene felt really similar to that Gale scene in the studio in Scream 2. Which is yes. one of my, which is one of my favorite scenes of the entire franchise, just beautifully choreographed and uh, it, but very it similar. It also reminded to that. me of the kids in the kitchen in Jurassic Park. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But very much that cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, that, that cat and mouse that like coming around the corner with the gun, like, and it, it just works so well. And I think that it really set up this movie as our like big first interaction with with Ghostface and our characters like like this is what to expect for the rest of the movie and honestly it it keeps up throughout the whole fucking thing it does because considering that this happens this early on in the movie i was scared that that was that they put that in the trailer because that was the most intense that in the subway were going to be the most intense new york but it was but not at all thing. But not at all. They really, they really outdid themselves um, in this one, and it really starts in that bodega scene, and it was a great scene, and it obviously sponsored by Coors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when you have beer, it's in one section. It's not framing the store. Yeah, they her, gra- Coors her Edge, grabbing Coors it. Light, Coors this, Coors that. Yeah, like, grabbing right. the beer can and throwing it with a label perfectly at the screen. She takes the a camera. sip before she throws it. Flips <laughs> <laughs> and throws it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. He shoots her in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about shotgunning a beer. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Oh, my God. And then we get this great thing about the masks that are being left behind. Yes. They're going down on the way. To, before we get to the bodega, they're on their way to the police station because... Her ID was found at the scene of the crime. So Quinn is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Um, do you think that she she left that, or do you think that well, um, no, she Bailey stole left the it. ID? Oh yeah, she stole the ID. Uh, you know, she stole the ID. She just hid the knives. I mean, she's doing a lot of yeah. Um, honestly, honestly, Quinn does a lot of the heavy lifting in the entire movie. She has to because she's killed off immediately. Yeah, and then she's left to you know. Do the damn thing to do the ba- yeah to do a lot of the that. dirty yeah. work. Ooh, the she was game. Work. She's game. I love yeah, her. Yeah, she's a, a stone cold bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we have and they have the mask that was found at the scene of the crime, and it's sort of a, just a good ghost face mask, but a little, a little weathered up, and it happens to belong to um, Richie. Like DNA matches Richie is right, right, right. Find the one in um, the bodega that they say was shared by Jill and Charlie. And it's like, ah, ah you're saying their name. They're saying um, they're bringing oh it God. back to the previous sequels. Yeah. Yes. That, that like, again, because they're not mentioned. I, they're never mentioned. So it's like, the, like it gets me giddy. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. I love hearing. I love hearing them being acknowledged. I love knowing that they are absolutely Still like paramount. Alive. Yeah. Okay. They're paramount to, everything that's come before or that's coming you know they're important to the storyline right exactly and that keep it consistent yeah right and that is important to me as a scream franchise fan as i want every single movie to be important not just the first one exactly exactly should we move on let's do it after being questioned at the police station by detective bailey they are joined by fbi special agent kirby reed 
played by Hayden Panettiere. Wow. Yeah. They brought her back. We we here at Fear of the Talking Queers were adamant. We were sold on the fact that they were never going to see that bitch again. <laughs> Remember we were telling people, listeners, we were like, give it up, you like, guys. Give it up, delicious. <laughs> like, we were, we were telling people, we were like, we were for sure that it would never happen. And yet here we are, egg on our we face. Were like, she doesn't want to act anymore, you guys. Leave her the fuck <laughs> alone. Yeah. And here she is. She said it was her. She said it was her idea that she wanted to be in Scream 5, even. Damn. And they were like, well, let's figure it out. Okay. But I think right. this was a great way to bring her in. Oh, it was. Yeah, this power. is great. This is great. For sure. And of course, Miss Kirby is a survivor of the 2011 Woodsboro murders. And she's taken a special interest in ghostface killings for very obvious reasons. Outside the station, Sam and Tara are surrounded by reporters to the beautiful melody of Trouble in Woodsboro by oh Marco Beltrami. Yes, I know. Bringing <laughs> yes. back the old score. Yes, that was fantastic. Obviously, these reporters include Gail Weathers, Channel 4, played by Courtney Cox. Tara punches Gail, revealing that she broke her promise not to publish a new book on the 2022 Woodsboro murders, which they believe is causing the new attacks. Gail reveals that she's spoken to Sydney, who has decided to stay away and keep her, Mark, and their children safe. <laughs> I love that. I love how how long is the time jump between the last movie and this movie? Is it a year? I think it's sort of the Scream, Scream 2 effect, where it's like the the movie may have came out a year later, but it takes place maybe two years later. Sure. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, she... But if you're talking she, 2022, she mu- I'm like, so this takes place in the future. I'm like, she must have said, <laughs> I'm not going to write a book about this. Those fuckers can die in anonymity. And then literally went home and started writing. <laughs> <laughs> She's like writing. She's like writing the first chapter as she's telling them that. She's like, yeah, mm, yeah, I won't write a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Like, That's yeah, fast really for an entire book to come out. But I think it's that. I mean, uh, Scream came out December 1996. Scream 2 came out December 1997. But there's a huge time jump yeah. in between. So I think it's that to that effect. Got it. Okay. For what? A, what a nice little callback to Scream 2. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dr. Stone is murdered by Ghostface, who then steals Sam's file and leaves another mask at the scene, Roman Bridgers, which I love because Roman stole Sydney's file from the Woodsboro police station in Scream 3. Also, Dr. Stone, are we talking about Stone the bodyguard in Scream 3? Is that a... (gasps) Stone. First of all, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of queerness in this because Dr. Stone, I'm not saying that he's queer. But Daddy was sitting there in those pajamas with the feet up on the thing, and they did the close up on the feet, and I was like, "Where is this going? Where is this going? <laughs> yeah, where is this going? Is this feet porn? He's kind of this... handsome. This is what I'm okay. talking about when I say sometimes I'm attracted to older men. You're a slut. <laughs> Call me Quinn. Mindy outlines the new rules to the group, claiming they are not operating with sequel or even requel rules because. This time, they are in a franchise. Thus, everyone is a suspect and everyone is dispensable, even Sam and Tara. Meanwhile, Kirby gives Bailey a rundown of all nine previous Ghostface killers, prompting Bailey to run his own investigation on her. Sam, Tara, Mindy, and Chad, aptly deemed the core four, have dinner together. They empathize with Sam's lonely fight for her reputation, and she admits she's been sleeping with her cute neighbor. First of all, Danny Brackett. Let's come on. Danny Brackett. Honestly, the entire character list from Halloween is now in the Scream franchise. Yeah, like, okay, we get it. 
Sam Loomis, Sam Carpenter, who's also Billy Loomis's daughter, Nancy Loomis, who's the actress who plays Annie Brackett. It's getting out of control. It's getting crazy. Then <laughs> in the next movie, there's going to be somebody literally named Oscar winner Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Oscar, yes. and her middle name is Winner Jamie Lee, and her last name is Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Danny's in his apartment and just happens to look over into Sam's apartment where he sees Ghostface standing over Quinn in her room. Desperately trying to get the core for his attention, he texts them all. I don't think he did that. Did he? Yeah, he like takes a picture of it and sends it to all them. They look at the phone and she's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Because I'm like, who's recording? Okay. Desperately trying to get the core for his attention, he texts them all pictures of the attack. The core four run to Quinn's door. Suddenly, Ghostface emerges from the room, throwing Quinn's body on the group. He slices Mindy's arm and stabs Annika in the gut as she tries to defend her girlfriend. Danny passes a ladder from his window over to Sam's apartment window, creating a bridge, urging them to climb across. This is a throwback, obviously, to Emma Roberts. (laughs) To to Nerve. Her uh, her movie Nerve. Sam and Mindy get to safety, but Annika falls to her death in the alley below after Ghostface shakes the ladder. Another mask is left at the scene. Oh. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, okay, okay. So Miss Kirby Reed is back in action from Scream 4. What did you think of how her character was fleshed out in this one? I mean, does she feel 100% like the same character? I'm not sure. She seems a little more... I mean, I guess maybe that's maturity. She's not quite the she's 30 she's not quite the spitfire i remember from scream 4 but she's you know she's still well she does have this great moment where she's explaining why she's there jason and greg are from atlanta and she works out of the atlanta office and and for the fbi and she says i'll show you my files etc yeah i feel like she does with charlie a lot in scream 4 so yeah that was she, kind of she a does nice little yeah she does play you know that like kind of coy character you know so i okay you're right you're right there are moments there are moments except when she's eating that hot dog that was a little jarring (laughs) (laughs) that was a lot (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i was a huge bite and she drank the soda before she even swallowed it which i thought was disgusting oh my god i don't know no i I was but you know what i was actually happy to see hayden and honestly i thought she did a great job me too i was very i was very impressed that you know because they're like oh she left hollywood and i know she's come out about her story about you know yeah. all, all her battles and everything i honestly thought um miss hayden did the damn thing i'm so i was really happy to see her back i was happier than i expected to be me too i was too it's nice to see a familiar face especially when you've killed off such a powerhouse like dewey it's yeah. nice to see them trying to bring back potential people she's she died for four minutes they said you know like stuff yeah. like that it's like okay okay this works this works for me this works Got and it. then so then that brings us to um our next returning character which is gail weathers i mean it wouldn't yes. this is to me okay this might be controversial i know we love sydney oh we love her but i'm sorry i think my favorite final girl of all time is gail weathers I'm so Team Gale. She's great. I I love this. And honestly, I really 
enjoyed her character more in this one than the way they did her in Scream 5. I felt like she had a few one-liners, you know, that were fine in Scream 5, but she really, they really did a good job bringing her back to the ambitious Gail Weathers, the reporter Gail Weathers. Yes, the one, yeah, exactly. She she went back on her word. (laughs) She... She's just as shady as we we love and remember. <laughs> I know, I feel like there was a little there wasn't much difference between her and Sydney in the last movie. You know, they were sort of operating at the same level of character. Like just sort yeah. of re- just sort of returning yeah. and, you know, there for support while Gail here actually gets to do a little investigating. She gets to a little meet. Be be a little be a little like classic uh, yeah, ambitious or cutthroat, as one might say. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is great. And she gets punched again. <laughs> yes, and I love that Sam tries to punch her first and she ducks out of the way, but then Tara does it instead. Yes. Because that really is bringing it to a place where we're like, okay, Sam and Tara are a unit and yeah. they really are our leads now. And they're sort of taking the place of you know gail and sydney in a sense of like they're the two heroines of the film but uh, gail is still kicking um i will say though that i don't know if it's like i don't know what it is but courtney's delivery of some of the lines is a little like that moment in scream five where they first reintroduced her and she goes excuse me excuse me are you, yeah. There's something about some of her line deliveries that feels not totally authentic, but honestly, Gail's a yeah. great character. Exactly. Yeah, she definitely. No one else does, to play it but her. I don't think Courtney has the same um, umph. Yeah, she doesn't have the same maybe this reverence for acting as maybe she did in the '90s because she's so fantastic in one through three. Like she's great. Right. Yeah. And you know, and in four, I I sort of felt the decline of maybe her her performance. And then, you know, it, it's sort of, yeah, it seems very surface level. Like, she's like, yeah, okay, I got my script the day of, and here's how I'm going to say it. You know, it doesn't seem like she's doing, <laughs> she's not doing the yeah. work that maybe she just has she the size. She's but, like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Whatever. She's, at this point, we love her so much. Like, whatever. She can, she's a legendary queen. Exactly. She can do whatever, and we'll, we'll be fine with it. But I'm not saying that Courtney is giving some sort of, award-worthy performance <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we find out she wrote she wrote a new book um which i wonder what it's called no the woods i wish they would have said return to woodsboro Mer- i don't know what what could it be i know i know and we we get the breakdown of the rules sure it's great and honestly i think it allows jasmine savoy brown to really get a chance to shine i think her rules in stream five were were great and they were very of the time you know like the 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 requel shit yeah like that was i think this one they had a bigger challenge because this has already been a franchise right exactly so it's that was a weird way to play it yeah and like i'm like was it necessary for her to have this moment like, do no. we need, is this like a new thing now where every movie, Jasmine is going to sit there and give us the breakdown of what it is that we're supposed to be looking for as far as the meta yeah. aspect and of the movie. let's be honest. Let's be honest. I mean, I do enjoy that scene. It was a great scene. But, and she shined brightly, but nothing she said was new. No, nothing that she said was new. Yes, everybody can die. Okay, whatever. And yeah, never said that in Scream Four. Yeah, exactly. Said in Scream Three. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, even you this said. Means you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, nothing she said was like revolutionary. But I, do, what I do love about that scene though is that she one hundred percent 
calls the killers immediately. The first two people that, she suspects are Quinn and Ethan. That was fucking great. Like, watch, I didn't notice it watch, until the second yeah, time I watched course, it. Watching it the second time, and I noticed this throughout the whole movie, is that everybody is on to them the entire movie. Not only, yes. not only is Mindy on to them, um, Kirby is on to them, uh, Sam is on to them. That first scene when, um, when uh, she's being, she's uh, they're being questioned. Sorry, by by Bailey, and she's yeah. like, oh, she's like, so the the father of my roommate, whatever, just happens to be whatever. Like everybody happens is to pull our file. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Everybody is on to them from the beginning throughout the entire thing they're all accused at some point and i'm like i'm like beginning right exactly and i almost feel like even though these three ghost face are maybe the most vicious we've ever seen i think that they might be the three most incompetent yeah because they're not obvious yeah most obvious and and least competent because i maybe it's because they don't subscribe to the horror movie thing to the rules to the yeah. rules they don't really know they're they're just so fucking obvious like, let's just about put on it. the costume yes. and get rid of these bitches exactly and they're like <laughs> we yeah we'll concoct a little plan it can't be that hard but their plan is no. so obvious that everybody calls them out immediately immediately yeah she's like, she's like was- oh you're a new girl she's like you know and you aunt you you're just happen to be roommates whatever whatever and he's like well, what about me? I was just randomly assigned. She's like, oh, please. Like, you can't just juke all that shit and, you know, find out how to be Chad's roommate to be part of the group. Like, she like... And they're like, yeah, that's what we yeah. did. You called exactly it. Exactly what yeah. happened. And even they, yeah, they admit it at the end. They're like, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And it really just follows the trajectory of Randy. Randy, I mean, aside from Scream 2, Randy always knew who the killer was. I mean, in, in Scream 1, he always was convinced that Billy was the killer. He's like, right. it's him. Yeah, ex- exactly. But this one is better. This one is better in the fact that, like, they put it all in front of us. They put really, it all when you in watch it the second us. and third time, it's yeah. all there. Even in that scene with, um, in this section with Bailey and Kirby, when he's like, oh, he's like, uh, Dr. Stone was just killed. Like, he was, like, trying to implicate that it was maybe Sam who did it. She was like, really? She was like, Sam killed her own alibi and then stole her own file. I was just like, yeah. She's like, She's like, nice try. Nice yeah. try, murderer. And I think that's when she starts to get a little suspicious of him. She takes a phone call and she like kind of walks away and they're yeah. both and you're you're thinking it's him being suspicious of her, but it's actually him trying right. not to get caught. Exactly. By her. And he's not also, convincing her. Oh, and he's not convincing her, but it's so funny how also at the same time they are trying so hard to misdirect all three of them. The fact that yes. he says that to Kirby to oh well, Sam, you know, she killed he's dead now. Is that what crazy? Yeah, yeah, and then Quinn and Ethan are the first ones to be like, "Well, what about this? This? This?" Like every time yes. they get called out, like they are—they're so quick yeah. to try to like misdirect and change the narrative that it's like obviously great them. writing. Yeah, great it, writing. it's sort of so well done once you do that second viewing. Because I will say, at the first viewing, Bailey and Quinn are not obvious. No. I think Ethan might be, but Bailey and Quinn are not, and I think that works really well. Okay, let's get to the set piece of this uh, oh. section because this is fucking brilliant. This whole thing of like Quinn being in the room and Danny seeing Ghostface standing over her, another off screen kill with Quinn's hookup. Um, yeah. He looked hot. Oh, yeah, he dies too. 
I forgot. I forgot that was a kill. Yeah, it's a quick one because Mindy sees it and she's like, oh, but she's attacked right after. So it's like it kind of subverts our attention. But yeah, he looked hot. I totally forgot that. he And he's, you know, yeah, I, dead. Now he's uh, now he's like in pieces. Do you think Quinn did that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. She's great. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think she did. I don't know. Because she's she's not very, she's not bloody. Oh, you're right. So it's either her or whoever was Ghostface doing it in the bathroom. She doesn't. Because we see him slip into the bathroom after she tells him not to use her pH balanced face Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Do do you think it was Ethan or do you think it was Bailey? Ethan. Ethan, I don't think Bailey kills anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's possible. I think it's just Ethan and Quinn. Really? Mm-hmm. You think that he's just that they're just they're the I think he's helping them he's, move. Which is something we said they're about They're the Kirby. muscle and he's the brains. When we thought Kirby was the killer, we were like, that's yes. great. Cop corruption, police corruption. That's a great <laughs> a social commentary as yes. well. She can help them move around. But it's Bailey. I don't think Bailey kills anybody. I think that's kind of evident in the reveal. But I think it's Ethan in this moment. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, this is great. This is great. Everyone's involved. It's big. The stabs are amazing. And uh, the Annika stabbing is Oof. sick as fuck because so he puts it in oh, and then he twists it. But something they did with the... No, he pulls it up. with the He, like, he pull- pulls it up. But first, when he puts it in, he twists it. And there's this really great visual effect that I have to say the special effects team did a great job where the skin rises as he twists it. And it looks <laughs> crazy oh. as fuck. And the whole every audience yeah. I've seen it with so far goes, ooh, like there's like some kind of like wrenching yeah. in their voice because it looks so sick. And when he slides it up into her ribs, I was like, holy fucking shit, this is crazy. Yeah. She, I will say that this, um, this moment with Annika and this whole, this whole moment, I don't think I've felt as bad for one of our characters dying as I have for her. She, I did. don't know what, yeah, well, because she's it's, there. She's just there, but also, like, the genuine fear in that moment. I mean, you know, she got stabbed, obviously, but, like, for her to, like, not necessarily die immediately after being stabbed and then getting to that room and sitting there while she's, like, bleeding from her stomach and, you know, like, profusely bleeding, like, a lot. And so she's, like, I'm, like, there's no way she's going to survive that already. And then for him to be, like, banging down the door... And, you know, Mindy and Sam are trying to hold the door closed. And then, of course, they get this opportunity to escape. Like, and uh, then for her, for her to, like, plead and or, like, you know, tell Mindy to go I first. I get it, I get it, I get Yeah. I'm like, because it's like, I mean, of, of the three, she's the least likely to survive since she's so badly wounded. She, like, gives it, you know, she... She sacrifices she her herself so Mindy can get away and she's Mindy gets away. I know, and, and she... But, you know, I was like, okay, she's just going to... I didn't think that she was going to go across the ladder. I thought it was like, she's just going to... He's going to burst through the door and he's just going to hack her up and they're all going to watch from the other window. But she still attempts to get away. And she's on that thing. And imagine being stabbed in the stomach, bleeding out, and then getting on that ladder and then being up that high and then fucking falling to your your death. Like, it's... And her screaming, like, I don't want to die... Uh, oh, gut wrenching, and and even uh, Mindy's reaction to it as she's like reaching out for her. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was great, high stakes, and honestly, high stakes emotionally. Little Miss Devin scream. She's also a little scream queen because that scream was fantastic yeah. um, when she first gets stabbed. Um, but also, I feel like the whole physicality of Ghostface in this moment is 
uh, shining bright, Mr. Max, because when he puts the knife aside and starts shaking the ladder, I was like, oh, fuck. You know, Ooh, and you're yeah. like, what's going to happen? And when she yeah. falls, she doesn't just fall to her death. She slams her face against that fucking dumpster. And then we get to oh. see it close up. Yes. Already and then show her, show oh. her like her fucking mutilated it, face. Ugh, it's so fucking gnarly. Gnarly. Gnarly as fuck. Like, yeah, they fucking went. They went there. I Yeah. Like, I feel like normally like Ghostface would crawl on the ladder too and get her but no he said no i'm gonna shake the ladder that is terrifying that's terrifying like this takes the idea of olivia's death from scream 4 and elevates it into a whole new stratosphere totally totally like yeah but like the helplessness from the other window like watching your your you know somebody friend yeah your friend die and like being helpless from across the way yeah like there's so many amazing references like subtle things yeah. To all of the movie. Like, just all a, the previous Just a movies. hint. It's like LaCroix sparkling water. It's like just oh. a hint of the flavor, but it's something, yes. you know, new. new. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Um, uh, yeah. Another mask is left at the scene, and let's, I guess, find out who's next. Whose mask is it? At this point, it's Mickey's. Did they leave a mask at this one? I thought they did. I don't think they, they do. I think they do. I think it's Mickey's mask because okay. later on he's because the only masks that's left are the Nancy Stu and Billy. Nancy Stu and Billy, which show up in the finale. Well, I, first of all, what, I love that we're calling her Nancy now. Uh, Nancy, <laughs> yeah. Debbie Salt doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. All let's right. Go. Detective Bailey is taken off the case, but vows revenge against the killer who murdered his child. Gail takes the group to an abandoned cinema she found while investigating, much to Kirby's annoyance. The theater has been set up as a shrine to the ghost face killer, including weapons and outfits from each killing from every massacre. The only thing missing are the ghost face masks, which have been found at each crime scene from most recent in reverse order. As Sam looks upon the costume donned by her father, she sees a vision of Billy played once again by Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Which I have to it's, say, in the in the credits, when they show their... I'm like, not getting your own credit. Not okay, yeah, With an f- image of your reflection in glass. Yeah, w- with that fucking deep bake <laughs> that we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Still alive. I mean, honestly, that's the best song for this movie because it's everybody's still alive. Literally. Well, okay, here we go. What is the superior scream song? What if by Creed what or if? Still Alive by Demi Lovato? Still alive. Still, still alive, alive, 100%. Still alive. I mean, the only competition Still Alive really has is Red Right Hand, but considering that wasn't an original song. Oh, wait, hold on. I forgot about Something to Die For. I do love Something to Die Ooh, For by the Something Sounds to die from for Scream 4. Is good. Something to Die That's For is good. That's a good one. That might be my favorite. As nobody remembers it, but I, I do love that song. Yeah, yeah. So she sees a vision of Billy encouraging her once again to use her killer instinct in order to survive. The group sets up a sting operation in the park to catch the killer. But when Ghostface calls Sam, they trace the call to Gail's apartment on the Upper West Side. Ghostface calls Gail and torments her about the death of Dewey before killing her boyfriend and attacking her. Gail puts up an epic fight, but is stabbed with a glass shard in the abdomen. Tara and Sam arrive in time to stop Ghostface, and Gail asks the girls, Tell Sydney he didn't get me, before she falls unconscious. This bitch. 
Always in competition with Sydney. Always. Like, oh, but I love that line with where he's like, Sydney was always the star. What were you? And she was like, the brains and the sex appeal. Because <laughs> honestly, and it's kind of true. On period. In the yeah, first one, she hot. is the brains and the sex appeal. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, she knows her worth and she knows what she brings to the franchise. Absolutely. And Jennifer jo- Jolie knew that she brought that energy to Stab as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. At the hospital, Sam considers giving herself over to the killer in order to spare the others, but the group refuses to let her. Instead, they agree to meet Kirby at the theater to trap and kill Ghostface. On the subway platform, they are separated, with Mindy and Ethan left to take the next train. Both groups are surrounded by commuters in Halloween costumes, including many Ghostface masks. Mindy is stabbed by the real Ghostface on the train, surrounded by other passengers who don't even notice. Ethan comes to her rescue. Okay, so we have it. So we have it. We have some pretty good moments in here that are callbacks, starting at the top when Detective Bailey is coming out disheveled because Quinn is murdered, Um, even though we actually find out that she hasn't been murdered. To me, this felt very Scream 3. Like, we're still confused as to how Roman pulled off his death. And I'm still confused as how Quinn pulled off hers. I just, uh, okay, like a, a fresh body from the morgue with the prosthetic. Come on. Yeah. That's reaching. How could we do that that fast? But hey. Especially with Danny watching in the window. When did she put that thing on her neck? Because she's laying there. He could see her. When did she slit her own throat? <laughs> well, I love the staging. Like, they are going there. They're like, I saw you die. Like, nope. <laughs> Must me. She's like, did you? <laughs> Yeah, that was great. But also, like, when did Detective Bailey have the chance to bring the body up the stairs, put put her in Quinn's pajamas, put the prosthetic on? Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. I know. It's a stretch for sure. It is a stretch. um, But we've accepted it before, so why why can't we just accept it now? Sure. Absolutely. Um, But we do get some fun interaction when we have the reunion... Sorry. The reunion between Gail and Kirby... And their dynamic is really fun in this. It almost, it like, it's like, Slightly. it's like Gail and Jennifer Light. Absolutely. Know? Because when they're having this back and forth thing where she's like, I checked their financial records. This wasn't on it. And she's like, yeah, well, I've been doing this for years. So, you know, you'll get there and whatever. And yeah. then they show the card <laughs> swipe. It was very, Gail Weathers would find yes. a way. Yes. yes. Exactly. Exactly. I was living. I was like, okay, this is so great. I'm glad that I think that Kirby is the perfect sort of I don't say replacement, but she's the perfect sort of filler for that Jennifer Jolie type that we love so much. She's a great antithesis for Gail to work with. Sure, exactly. They're they're good foils where they can they can banter. They their jobs are sort of similar, just like you know, obviously the person playing Gail and being Gail, this person, they are both investigators in their own way. One works for the police, one works for the press. And it, so, yeah, it's also a really fun kind of callback to Scream 3 once again with not just Jennifer, but also Mark Kincaid's, we, he doesn't get enough credit. Mark Kincaid's yeah. partner in Scream 3 has some great lines. And oh, yeah. That always I'm going to go just Gale. the fingerprints with Jane Pauly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Gail Weathers, yeah, yeah, he's great. And so, I mean, it's a fun dynamic that we've seen before, but it's fresh because it's a returning character. It's Kirby, and she's also really good with it. I love it. I love their dynamic in this, and I hope that continues in future sequels. Yeah, really great, really great banter. I really like that. Um, yeah. So then we get the shrine, the shrine that we saw all throughout the marketing. Oh my god! And we were, and we were trying to figure out what the fuck, how, how, what is this? Are these props from the stab movies? Is that the tape costume that Alicia Silverstone wore? What's going on? Yeah, like, or is this actual evidence? And I'm glad that they they cleared this up because they go into there. There's like the shrine of every single, even down to the minimum minuscule things, like the seeing the fax machine from screen the lighter that blew it up, the lighter sitting next to it. I was like, I'm dead. They have, like, the star that Derek was hanging on. They have Tatum's costume. They have Kenny's top story jacket and hat. Yes. Oh, my God. When, when that went by, we went, oh, top story. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of people said, I've heard multiple people say, top yeah. story. The top boy story. in front of us. That queer, fear the queer that, in front of us. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what else what did up. we see? We saw Randy's Bradley video, which I really loved Mindy's delivery. She's like, Chad. They have Uncle Randy's shirt. She, I was like, this Aw. blunt Uncle Randy. But also, oh. I was like, why would they have that? I know, like, some of the things are, like, unnecessary. <laughs> I wanted a close-up of Tatum's costume. I know, exactly. I wonder if that mannequin also had her nipples. That's all I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to see, oh, we saw the illustration of um, Casey Becker, which, honestly, she doesn't get referenced enough. I know. It, yeah, she, you know, of all the things, as iconic as it is, she doesn't really get much of a mention. No, and to think, it all starts with her. <laughs> One exactly. more Exactly. And then, like, the knife that Kirby was stabbed with. The knife that Kirby was stabbed with. That is with. specific. That is very specific. I, I was trying to figure out, like, some other ones, but I think the facts and the lighter are probably some of the most intricate things that we Sir, Yeah, the most, like, specific things, like... Wow. Oh, Jill's costume. When Yeah, Jill's costume. I do like that, like, they had Kirby kind of looking at... Every time Jill was mentioned or... They showed um, a picture. You know, she saw... Yeah, she, like, she had... She did a really great job at, like, having a, a reaction to it. Like, that, like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. there's like, a history there. Yeah, like, this is something that's pretty traumatizing for me that my best friend orchestrated this. And I was one of the fucking victims that they found to be disposable. Yeah. Like me, I was her best friend and she uh, killing me was part of their master plan. Like the betrayal and like that her not wanting to sort of dwell on it was mm-hmm. really cool to see Aiden play. Like when she was like giving the rundown to Bailey, but the killers and she's like, you know, Bill and Charlie, but she doesn't, but she, it's not like she's like, and these are the ones that stabbed me. She's like, right. I'm just, I'm I I have to leave. I have to compartmentalize. This is part of the job, but I do have trauma associated with that. I really like that she played that for sure. And also, kudos to Kirby for being so far the only best friend who survived. Okay, absolutely. She's we haven't seen this since one. Carla, and I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let's hope that she comes back for that requel. <laughs> oh you guys better be listening. If if Freddie and Jennifer are coming back. Bring back Brandy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, so <laughs> yes, I love the idea of this shrine, though. I love the the movie theater setting. I love the the graffiti ghost face shit. Like it's so well done. Yeah, it's and to have it take place in a movie theater 
And you know, even though we are, you know, we're trying, we're getting away from the stab movie thing. There's still something about these movies that are about movies. Yeah, it's sort of like a. Okay, first of all, the idea of a scream museum being in a movie theater is just brilliant. Brilliant. I want that to be a thing. I want that. But also, the theater, you know, being the the setting for the final act is very scream too. Oh, yes, it is. Honestly, this was a great choice for them to have this. The way the robes are displayed on the stage, just Yeah. Amazing. But yeah. what's on the knives? Not blood. Jelly. <laughs> Smuckers. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? I was like, there's no way. They show that dipping just... the they show it them dipping it in strawberry jelly and then spraying <laughs> yeah. it with like an adhesive. Yeah, oh my god. Like terrifier too. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um and then we continue on to, I think, another huge Scream 2 reference, which is this park scene. The park, trying to find the killer calling, thinking yeah. that he's going to be nearby. The van. Yeah, the van. And even and I love that they still acknowledge it. Like, Mindy Foley is like, stab, stab, stab. No more Randy. Yeah, she's like, this is exactly how my uncle died. She's like, you think you're going to keep us safe here? And I love Kirby's reaction of, huh. I love the twist of him not even being at the park. He's I know. with Gail. Gail. And then here we go. Another great moment. I'm telling you, like, when, when this movie hits, these set pieces are so good. Like, it's like, it was like one after the other after the other. It's like, they don't let up. And so this one is so good. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's great to see for the first time ever, Gail on the phone with Ghostface. Never done before never done before and I love that that's acknowledged even though who we find out are the kill- they would have no fucking idea that she's never been killed by the killer 100% they would but never know for the audience's sake thank god they put that line in there yeah because it's like it is it's a it's a monumental thing like to see to see Gail Weathers our our legacy character like our, our genuine legacy character like have that moment that Sydney would have in every movie. Like yes. and I don't want to say it's passing the torch, but it's it's giving her the opportunity to really shine and really be our badass final girl that she's always been. Like Gail is a final girl. We don't acknowledge that enough. She's no. not in any of the mo- she's not in any of the collages we see of the Jamie Lees and the and the Nancy's from Fred you know Friday the, or was it fucking Nightmare on Elm Street? Like, yeah. we don't ever see Gail Weathers, but Gail Weathers has survived every single one of these movies just like also, Sydney did. Yes, and honestly, one step ahead of where Sydney ever is. One hundred percent. However, as diehard Scream fans, we have to acknowledge the fact that when Randy dies in that scene in Scream Two, he's on Gail's phone. That is true. That is true. <laughs> he he attempted. Ghostface yeah. attempted to talk to to Gail at one point. Yeah, but Randy answered. But Randy answered, ooh, that's a good catch. I didn't even think about that. You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a great scene. The the doors, just the maze of her apartment. It's her boyfriend dying first. I feel bad for this actor. I don't feel like he gets enough um, screen time or or we don't get a name. We don't even get a name. I do. I know. I wish they would have kind of elaborated because first of all, 
smoking hot. Okay, she got this fine ass boyfriend with big old muscles. Big and muscles. I mean, and I love how she kind of she, she kind of set it up like earlier in a previous scene where she's talking to Sam and they're kind of, you know, just chit-chatting or whatever and she's talking about how you move on after right. you lose somebody in your family. She's like, you know, you just sort of do your best to move on and you may- maybe find another loner out there who, you know, you can sort of make your family as well. And that's obviously what she's done. She, she's moving on. Like, obviously Dewey not being a part of her life anymore is devastating, but, you know, she's got to move on and, and she's got to get hers. And so she's like, I got this smoking hot boyfriend, you know, and maybe he's helping yeah. her move on until now. Yeah, until now. Yeah, th- but that was, I mean, it's a nice acknowledgement to see that Gail is, is like, you know. She, yeah, she's human. Move on. Yeah, she's yeah, human. She's, hu- she's human, and that's what you gotta do. You gotta, you can't let, you can't like, let your whole world end, you know? And, and do you know what? I will say that Gail Weathers is a motherfucking badass, because this woman has taken on so many ghost face in hand-to-hand combat, just like Sydney has. Again, we don't acknowledge that enough. She fought his ass in... You know, Scream 4. In Scream 5, she was an intricate part of taking Amber down. And so to see she's her like... She's a huge part of taking down Billy and Stu in Scream. Like, oh, she's the number yeah. one person. I get, didn't forget the safety that time, did I, asshole? Yeah, you know? she, yeah, she, yeah, she is not one to be messed with. But, like, not only just smarts-wise, but she's a physical threat, too. She can hold her own. She fucking... She hits him so hard in the face with that cast iron pan. I don't know how that's. I don't know how Quinn Quinn's still had face her teeth was there. untouched. Yeah, they should have yeah. had one side already knocked out, and then they knock out the other <laughs> side. That would have been hilarious. Seriously, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then again, seeing how Scream Five went, I think all of us anticipated like, oh shit, this is the moment where we lose Gale. It's yeah. gonna one movie after the other. We lose Dewey, we lose Gale, and then maybe in Scream Seven we lose Sydney. Who knows? But um, it, and it certainly looks that way. I mean, she looks like she's about to get that final blow. She's gonna overpower and then right in the gut with that glass with shard. The glass shard. I know. I know. It's like you can't. And they do it. That happens twice in this movie where the characters lift their arms up for the final blow and then they get it. They you know, it happens stabbed. to Ch- it happens to Chad later. That's how Dewey got it. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, right. we need to think. Of, we need to think of a little something different. Yeah, uh, let's mix it radio up. Radio silence. Yeah, let's let's mix it up next time. Like it can't always be the the big lift and then the stab. You know. Yes. Can't, can't always be that. Let's just. I also don't think anyone stabs like that. I don't think you're you getting know, like, anything else from that small ass momentum. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know exactly. Juka. It just it's just a convenient way for them to uh you know stab them right at the last minute. Yeah, um, but but. You know, Gail, she, she's a fighter, and I don't think that... I, I wasn't ready for Gail to go, so I'm glad that she... Uh, I wasn't terrified. I was like, okay, we have Kirby now. Right, We do exactly. have the option of potentially contracting Nev at some point again. But, you know whatever it is what it is i think they knew very well if that she if she would have died i would have been obviously okay with it just like i was okay with dewey dying like it is what it is but, but again we are some th- of the most generous diehard scream fans also sure 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 we're willing to give them all up <laughs> yeah absolutely um i think but i think this kind of does go back to that criticism that i talked about before where people are upset 
that these characters are too invincible at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, one of the friends like, that we went with was like, there was a lot of stabbing and vicious ones, but yeah. how did conveniently like certain characters died from it and certain characters lived? De- yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it, it's getting too obvious. Right, exactly. Like we, there. It just lowers the stakes too much because it's like, well. They can get stabbed a million times doesn't mean they're gonna die and so yeah whereas like hallie who got stabbed what twice in the chest and dead you know it's like yeah vince it, it, and you know scream five just yeah uh, oh i don't know that exactly. necessarily could have killed him i mean definitely but yeah i don't know i i think that yeah like certain stabs i would understand but like these people get like stabbed multiple times different places there's no way that they're conveniently missing every single organ or art like gail gets stabbed in the thigh like it, not always but that's a pretty terrible place to get stabbed because you have like Oof. a major artery that runs through your thigh that if you get stabbed there you will bleed out like completely and for her to get stabbed in the leg and then immediately be able to shuffle backwards the way she does in this movie i was like there's no way there's no way that she would be able to do that like yeah. she, her, le- her leg would be like fucking dead and especially the finale probably, you see that a yeah. lot i'm like there's no way and, they'd have this much energy right. they're bleeding exactly Ow. and for her to be stabbed in the leg and then to be stabbed in the abdomen and then still pull through it seems it's just a little too convenient yeah you're right yeah and and honestly the first time i heard it, i'm like yeah i was like yeah but it, you know it's a slash movie the second time i saw it though i did realize how much happens that they're yeah. not affected by and i'm like well she also gets stabbed in the shoulder she gets stabbed in the shoulder stabbed in the thigh and stabbed and in the rib yes, or in the side or whatever side. yeah it's it is a little weird but i think that they were taking the audience criticism of scream five's kills being a little underwhelming in a way sure and so they were like well let's amp it all the way the fuck up and now we're like reel it back <laughs> well it's like they amped up the stabbings but they wouldn't let the characters die yeah <laughs> Yeah, they were like, like, let's find a way out of this. I'm like, all right. Like, yeah, sure, we'll keep on, we'll just stab them more. And they're not going to die, but we'll stab them more. It's like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Okay, here's the set piece that was always destined to be in this movie from the beginning. You called it, you called it a subway attack. I said, I said, New York, subway. A subway attack. And this is done very, very well. There's a mention earlier that because of the new interest in the Ghostface killings in New York, the masks have flown off the shelves. Mind you, we haven't even mentioned the fact that this takes place during Halloween. Oh yeah, I mean, by the way. I mean, it's a synopsis, but yes, Halloween. Halloween. A, a first I, time for a, a Scream movie. You can tell they didn't want to dive deep into that. Yeah. But it works really well because it allows Ghostface to move through the city. Yeah, it, notice. It, it was very smart of these Ghostface killers to to plan this around Halloween. Yes. But yeah, yeah you, you're, you're right. You could tell they definitely didn't want to lean into it because they're like, this isn't a Halloween movie. No. We can't step on their toes. It's just but, a storytelling device to yes. tell us how Ghostface is moving around the city in the costume. Absolutely. 100%. And I, yeah, and it definitely works really well. It's really convenient. This scene is very intense because it's like okay who is the ghost face who's the real real one one? yeah Yeah, exactly and and i think that the marketing really did a good job of uh, making us think that the group isn't all together i honestly thought maybe that that scene in the trailer where mindy gets her mouth grabbed was i thought it was like maybe they just filmed it for the trailer and that it was just all 
a diversion. We thought that about Scream 5. Yes, we did. But then I thought while I was watching, I was like, okay, they're separated. Oh, no, I, I was like, oh, it's brilliant. It's because they've been separated. But in the trailer, they made they're it seem together. like they were all together. I was like, okay, all right, I see. Wait, to, wait to, The trailer did that, that a lot. The editing misdirection. Instead of yeah. it being a full out, yeah, it, it it's great. And I really like this scene because it takes the idea of Scream 2 and puts it in a different setting. Somebody being killed in a public space where they don't know like if there's danger around yeah. because it's there everyone's in costume so you're not really sure yeah. and i think this is a really clever vicious raw and real way to take that element of stab and the costumes and the audience and bringing it down to something real and tangible of like people wearing the masks for halloween in a subway yeah. station and not knowing if someone's going to and not even noticing that someone's being attacked fantastic a different same same concept different scene and it makes it very fresh very new 100 percent. yeah i think and also sort of calls into the question of like how safe is halloween yeah just in general like this the idea that it's a day where we all get dressed up and and we celebrate the dark things and the murder and the blood and the gore like you know how easy it is to get away with some scary shit yeah. You know, now that we've said this thing about Scream 2 and relating it to the subway scene, I mean, obviously we've mentioned Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4 several times in calling back. And really, Scream 5 was a love letter to Scream 1, but Scream 6 is a love letter to all of the sequels that came afterward. And I love yes. that. Especially and I love because that. the focus is a franchise. It's like the entire franchise is being acknowledged in very fresh new ways. And it's so fun to see. Yeah, that's my favorite part about it because I love the sequels so much i love the original obviously but i love the series as a whole i I keep saying this but it's like so to see these movies finally being acknowledged and being referenced and it's so delicious to me you know it really is and did you think that mindy was gonna die yes and i was crossing my fingers that she would really yeah because she's because she's the randy I was she's like, okay, this is this is her sequel moment. She is the Randy of it. She's getting killed in pu- you know, in a public way, not necessarily the same way where in Randy a mode did, of transportation. In a mode of transportation, I was like, okay, this is it for Miss Mindy. And I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I was like, yes, this, um, if Gail just lived, then this movie has to have the balls to kill Mindy. Then it, it, it did didn't. It. It and did I, but it. I, and that was kind of disappointing to me too. Yeah, I think I was like, Chad's man. gonna I was die like, before Mindy. Come on, guys. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm kind of, but, but I do love that she thinks that she's wrong because the whole movie, I we yes. haven't really acknowledged this, but Mindy has her eyes on Ethan and like she's dead set. She's like, this is the fucking killer. And then when she gets stabbed, she's convinced that it's not. But I don't know how Mindy doesn't think like it could still be him there could just be multiple killers and he could literally have just let it happen which yeah. is what happened oh she's quick uh, to say that she was wrong but she wasn't and on top of millie millie mindy millie you know because i was gonna say there's this weird scene in the and i'm like i hope they don't run with this when her and kirby are talking and they're sitting in front of that smash tv and she's like oh the television that killed Stu mocker and right. she's like if you believe he's dead i'm like please don't well, run with this but i think that that to me is 
radio silence acknowledging being being aware of the fandom and being aware yeah. of what the conversations are i mean that that Stu mocker conspiracy that people are obsessed with this idea that you know Stu is was gonna be the killer like people are convinced yeah. especially with like the still alive sort of thing like yeah that really perpetuated this idea that they're like, oh my god i know it's Stu. Stu's coming back and thank god that wasn't true but I love the fact that they are aware of conversations like that. They're aware that this is what people are talking about. Yeah. And so, I mean, I do, I don't love the idea that they've like opened the door that it's a possibility that he's still alive. But I do like that they acknowledged that fan conspiracy yeah. theory. I think we're reducing it to just a, an acknowledgement because it was like that's what people wanted, and they kind of do this cultish thing with it, with the several costumes and the several killers yeah. and the. Um, and then Stu Mocker. So it is kind of the idea that Kevin Williamson had for Scream 4, but it's just taking yeah. it in a direction where it's like, we're hats off to you, but that's not quite what we're doing, but almost, almost. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Absolutely. But I, yeah, I like that it's at least acknowledged. It just makes, it gives me hope that they're listening to. And Stu is being acknowledged. Stu was not yeah, acknowledged Stu. in Scream 5. And he was only acknowledged in the moment where Tara gets the answer wrong in the beginning when he was like, "It's it was two killers. It was Billy and Stu Mocker. But that's the yeah. only reference to Stu oh, and having Vince. any part. But oh, just, and Vince. there's no real power in him having been one of the killers. Right, know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but he's like completely honored in this one, which is very nice. Yeah. So our characters have a plan to take down the killer. Should we get to it? Let's do it. Let's finish this off. Sam sends Danny away as she doesn't know if he can be trusted since he's not from Woodsboro. I would have just sucked his dick at least one last time. <laughs> you never know if I you're going to come out of that theater, girl. I know. I'm kind of... I I feel like Danny is very much a reference to Derek in Scream 2. For sure. Like, that That was, like, sort of my my interpretation of why Danny exists. I feel like yeah. he's, like... He's like the eternal good guy, right? He like he is the epitome of the good guy, but we can't we can't trust him. And no. and it turns out that he actually is a good guy. And which he was did. Derek all along. The only difference is that he Derek gets dies. to live. Yeah, Derek dies and Danny gets to live. But In I'm a way, ho- Sam I- saves Derek's life, yeah. which or Danny's life, which I think Sydney tried to do as well. She's like, Well, if you're not the killer, still stay away from me because yeah. I don't want you to die. Right, exactly. Like yeah, just stay away because I don't want you. Yeah, I don't want you because hurt. Derek's presence is also something that kind of carried on through the. I mean, she's wearing the necklace still in Scream Three, and it's not right. until Scream Five that we acknowledge that Derek was not really her the love of her life. You know, she yeah. has a life outside of that. But yeah, I love seeing that Danny. Well, you know, there are a lot of survivors in this one, but Danny is definitely worth saving. I know, and I hope we see him in Scream Seven. He better show up. He Matt. Oh, they're gonna be He'll such die. a hot couple. Oh, God. I know. No. Die. I know, I know. At the theater, Kirby breaks down the plan to capture the killer, turning the theater into a kill box. Sam then sees another vision of her father, Billy, who reminds her to defend herself and not trust anyone. Taking Billy's knife from the original murders, Sam realizes they have been locked inside the theater. Detective Bailey calls and says he found out Kirby was fired from the FBI months prior for delusional behavior. As if. Yeah. What, that, that's like such a desperate move on his part. Yeah, it is. It's like, okay, relax. Now you're being obvious. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, what do I do? How do I? Yeah. 
It's a great way to steer the audience away from her or to, or to think that the audience or to make the audience believe that she could be the killer. I was like, oh, shit. Do you think this is true? Yeah. And it feels very much that uh, the moment between Mickey, Derek and Sydney in Scream 2, where he's like implanting the idea in her head that Derek is the killer and boyfriend killer, or like boyfriend his ac- killer. yeah boyfriend killer boyfriend killer like he's the accomplice so it felt very much like that to me maybe that's not a reference but i think it is yeah as tara and chad finally share a kiss ghostface stabs tara and then a second ghostface appears and they both attack chad stabbing him multiple times okay i don't know that we're really gonna acknowledge this in our discussion at the end but this was fucking fantastic. When they grabbed him from each side and started yeah. stabbing him, it sort of looked like this sacrificial thing, like he was giving himself to save Tara. And then yeah. when he drops dead and the killers wipe their knives, <laughs> oh! in synchronicity, oh, in perfect great. choreographed timing. Whoa. Yes. And the sound effects like, whew, you know, oh, yeah, so good. So good. So good. As Tara and Sam prepare for a final battle, Kirby and Detective Bailey both arrive with guns drawn. Detective Bailey shoots Kirby. He is revealed to be the killer. He is then joined by two more masked killers who are revealed to be none other than his children, Ethan and Quinn. Bailey admits to orchestrating the killings to avenge the death of his eldest son, Richie Kirsch. They had faked Quinn's death to throw off suspicion. Quinn admits to starting the rumors about Sam to assassinate her character and aim to frame her for the murders. Kirby unleashes gunshots on the killers, hitting Bailey and allowing Tara to hit Quinn with a brick, knocking out several of her teeth. (laughs) I just love that that happens. And I love that the front tooth is still there, but it's broken in half. Ethan stabs Kirby, but Sam comes to her rescue, stabbing Ethan several times. Sam and Tara climb to the second balcony, but Tara falls. Sam holds her, but is convinced by Tara to let her go. Tara falls on Ethan, who stabs her in the abdomen. However, Tara lands a fatal stab to Ethan's mouth. Sam grabs a gun and fires a bullet into Quinn's head. Bailey and Sam then charge at one another, falling to the ground below. Sam dons her father's Ghostface costume and calls Detective Bailey using the Ghostface voice to taunt him. She sneaks up on Bailey, repeatedly stabbing him. She considers showing him mercy, as she believes she's not the killer her father is, but ends up stabbing Bailey through his eye. As Tara and Sam take a moment to sit, Ethan attempts one last scare, but is killed when Kirby drops the Stumacher TV on his head. Danny arrives at the police, like the hero he is. Mm. Sam better watch out for me. I'm about to show up in Scream 7, and I'm not going to be knocking no heads out, but I will be sucking some dick. (laughs) Sam agrees to let Tara live her own life more independently, and Tara agrees to go to therapy. Chad and Kirby are taken to the hospital, and it is revealed that Mindy and Gail are both alive. Sam stares at her father's ghost face mask before discarding it and following Tara into the city. The end. Okay, that's the end of Scream 6. Okay, so... This kill box ordeal, I love that this, like you said, it's very Scream 2 that the ending is going to take place in a theater setting, but this time a movie theater, which feels very much more appropriate. Yeah, it feels very apropos for for a movie about movies. Yeah. and Even though who gives a fuck about movies? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, the, the fucking Ethan and Quinn just doing that knife move when they stab Chad... 
Oh, it's so fierce. Like the choreography is, they practice that. They had to have. That got people excited when they yeah. when they swipe those knives at the same time. And that's the first time we've ever seen two ghost face in costume. Yeah. Together. Yeah, and I usually Ghostface is one person. True or not? I was like, I don't think we've ever seen this before, but I was like, but there's always been two killers, so it has to have been in something else. Never, Never. not once. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen two people in the Ghostface costume at the same time. That's insane. So Detective Bailey trying to throw us off with this Kirby thing, but when they have that final like shoot off and Kirby drops to the ground and the killer comes up behind Detective Bailey is the moment we realize that he's in on it. He's in on it. He's Great the directing. killer baby. Yeah, absolutely. Great direction. And then we get probably the campiest performance in this movie from Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> yeah, he was serving up and like a, like mad, like just crazy. He had some good Debbie Salt lines that were kind of yeah. reworked for his character. Sure. And he yeah, kind of had it, this it felt- manic approach to it, but it didn't necessarily fall in line with the fact that he doesn't give a fuck about the movies. Yeah. That, yeah, it's very true. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, I like that they reworked some of the Debbie lines, like especially like the, you don't know what it means to blah blah blah. You know, like I thought that was great. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think it's. I don't know if I've ever considered Dermot Mulroney like a actor, but um, I mean, I don't think what, he ever plays roles that are like stellarly right. stand out. Exactly, or like an evil character. I could tell he was having fun. Yeah. I could tell he was having fun. Yeah. Which is and always a that's, plus. Uh, that was absolutely a plus. Do I think it's like, I don't think it's a, like as unhinged as maybe Miss Laurie Metcalf's no, performance as no. Mrs. Loomis. It doesn't hold a flame. But it is like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost there. Like he like did all right. Yeah. He did. He did what he could to keep the character in a space where you know, they, he doesn't care about the stab movies, but he's just trying to avenge his son. And it is a different approach. It's a masculine approach, which I don't think works in the favor of this kind of movie. I think yeah. Debbie Salt's approach was, you know, it has the feminine energy. It's more vicious. It's yeah, more... that motherly, like pr- that praised motherly energy. Yes. I have to say out of the three people who are behind the kills in this, Quinn is the Quinn. standout. She's the standout. She is the standout. I, I think that Ethan's character. I, I just don't feel like we knew much about him. I don't think we knew enough about no. him to really. Which kind of does remind me a bit of Vicky. Like we don't really right. know much about Vicky either when he's revealed. But I think that he's like he's still a fantastic character. I don't think that Ethan really measures up in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you there's like one moment. That I'm like, oh, okay. This is this was a, a moment that I maybe wish they would have played up more. Is when um, when Bailey says, "You," uh, he's like, "You don't know," or like the bond between a father and his firstborn son, something like that. And you see like this wince on Ethan's face of possible like jealousy, jealousy, or, I or, got or, that or like, too. I yeah, got right? that too. I thought that was a great moment that I wish they would have maybe played into a little more, like given us a little more of like yes like like ethan is trying to live up to the image of richie okay keep going with that because you know yes you're right there was that moment where he's like there was that moment firstborn son yeah and his brow kind of yeah goes down and and he and he like kind of like 
like yes repositions himself yeah yeah step it up like like i have to live up to the to the yes. image of Richie of, of who he was yes. and how good of a ghost face he was like great great analysis because it also brings us back to this line that he has when Tara's hanging from the, the balcony and he's like I've always wanted to stick something in Tara and she says um you know it ends up with fuck you fuck you which is a very Sydney yeah. and Stu thing to do but I what I think they could have done that would have been a great callback but also amped up the meat of Ethan's character is Show us that he has a crush on her. And, yeah, I didn't get that at all. Feeling inferior to Chad. It would have definitely been a Randy type of moment where Randy has a thing for Sydney. But it's also Stu says, you know, I've always had a thing for you, Sid. So it's like, play that up. Like, I think that he should yeah. have maybe been like a dorky shy guy that we've established that. But I think sure. it could have been like, maybe he has a little thing for Tara and... Chad's in the way and you know that could have just been like something cute just to add a little bit of meat to his character yeah 100% that and that when it was revealed it would have given him just a, a little little scarier edge when it came to his attack on Tara or like you know him wanting to stick something in her um because like when she like stabs him in the mouth and says you know die a fucking virgin like, it would have, I think, maybe even been more powerful if we knew that he was trying to lose his virginity to Tara. Yeah. Play it up. Yeah, they didn't do a really great job with him. And honestly, he wasn't... He had the worst acting in this movie. So, and... Yeah. It's not saying much. He didn't do a bad job. It's just some of his line deliveries, like, when he said, it's not enough to kill somebody. First, you have to assassinate their character. Yeah. I was like, not it was buying like- it. It was a little too. It was a little too on the nose. It was like maybe yeah. the dialogue was clunky there. It just didn't work for me. Um, I do. I do yeah. like the moment. I kind of notice this when um, when Sam attacks him and stabs him a couple times. The look on his face is like completely shocked. And I love that moment because I do love that part of Sam's character now is that she is using her genetically disposed, <laughs> you know, her disposed like. Jeans. Her Loomis jeans to, um, it's her greatest strength now. This is her biggest defense in, you know, is using that serial killer thing about her to defend herself. And I think that it completely throws him off when she jumps on him. It's just whack, 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 yeah. whack with a with knife. I think that really, and I like that. And I thought his face did a really good job of being like completely shocked that she was capable of doing something like that. Yeah. I loved um, her performances and just the way that they wrote her to sort of embrace it and use it in this because I think she does that in the first one and it's great but she has several moments in this finale where she does that and um, I feel like by the time Scream 7 rolls around she should just be calling herself Samantha Loomis and just embracing that part of her identity without making her the killer because I know people are saying they want her to be the killer I'm like no 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 I don't want her to be the killer I don't want her to be the killer let her use the last name Loomis or something but yeah yeah I, I I want her to fully lean into it. I want it to be even uh, even more of her strength than the next one. Like, she's fully embraced it. If if Scream 5 was introducing the idea that she has this and then Scream 6 was really bringing it out of her, I think Scream 7 should be her completely embracing it and using it to her advantage to survive. Yeah. And maybe it, ba- maybe it backfires on her in some way, but um, I think but that... work with they, that. He, 
we'll work with that. Like, yeah. stay on this on this idea because they they're onto something really fresh and fun. Yeah, they are. Especially that ending where she's looking at that mask. Everyone called it. That was the yeah. last shot. I said that's that has to be the last shot of the movie. Has to be. Quinn's um, death. Um, I really liked how unhinged Sam looks at that point. Like she's let Tara go. Um, you know, she has that gun. She. she I think Melissa is giving. A, a fantastic per, like performance in this yeah. one looking crazy like i don't know if it's just like the lighting like it's like the this... drenched in sweat the blood the yes. bruises yeah. yes the, the blood the bruises the gun the look in her eyes is just she's killing it um no pun intended and then when she just and she is like you said fully embracing it she just fucking executes fucking quinn like nothing shoots that bitch right in the head didn't even give her a chance she said she looks like you're down another brother Boom! <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then like Quinn, no flinching. Quinn, I think. I mean, just Liana. We praised her enough. We think she's the best killer yeah. in this one. One hundred percent. Between all of them, like j- even Jason yeah. in, in the beginning, you know. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's the best killer. And um, I love when she's like, "You shut your whore mouth!" And she pushes Tara. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not your whore mouth. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's great in this and. Um, I you could really, love... I could really, t- I could really, t- sorry, I could really tell her, her like, her reverence for her brother, for Richie in this. Like, yeah, I, I just, felt, I felt in her performance how how angry she is anytime they they sort of talk down about Richie. That felt very lo- like Nancy Loomis to me. Yeah, like, was it... that a was she... that a negative, disparaging <laughs> remark about I Billy? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... They even kind of have a line in that where she's like, he was a man baby. He's like, no, he was a virile young man, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But He's a strong, virile young man. Just great, great stuff. And I think Quinn's character is really a love letter to the women killers who came before her. Yeah, so, okay. Um, great, great job. I mean, even Amber, Amber, Jill, Debbie, like, I think that they're all kind of ingrained in, in Quinn. Um, right. Uh, oh, not, let's not fail to mention that they used our YouTube video. Oh my <laughs> I'm God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 100%. I don't know. We've posted it on our Instagram one time a million years ago at the beginning of our, our venture with this podcast, but Frankie and I made a video <laughs> almost identical to some of the videos that were being work. shown. <laughs> yes, to Richie's work being projected onto that fucking almost you know, identical. Curtain. That first identical. shot of that girl sort of just <laughs> running. Like <laughs> that's how I looked. I was like, oh my god, they video. fully used our video. <laughs> I literally turned to Jake and I was like, is that us? But, is that us? But I was like, it speaks vo- it extends Richie's character beyond Scream 5 yeah. and really makes it like he was a fan of the staff. He was us. The point where he was making he was, videos. That was us. That was us. We've done that. Like, like they knew exactly what they were doing when it came to referencing the fandom. Like, this is the yeah. shit that we that people. We've done it. We do. know you guys We've listening done have done it. Like, y'all have acted out a scream scene in your bedroom. Don't fucking play with me. Maybe you haven't yes. recorded it, but you've done it. Yes, but you've done it. And we've 100% recorded it, and it looked exactly like that. So that was so brilliant. And, like, it, it's something that only the real fandom would do. Would, would do. Or would, like, really understand. And that's why this movie and these this new set of movies really speaks to us I think yeah here's the thing I didn't like about those Richie fan videos is that their dialogue was from Scream 
Yeah. I was like, okay. But it's okay. We're living in this universe where there's the element of the reality versus the Stab franchise. So, okay. Yeah. Push, push it. Push the limits. I, e- I'm fine. Exactly. I'm fine. Exactly. Yeah, the, I know. Exactly. Um, and then, so then Quinn, Ethan, dead for what we think right now. But then I love this moment where Bailey and Sam are confronting each other. She's out of bullets. And at this point, she's, uh, she's like, I don't give a fuck. She's like, oh, fuck it. And she just screams and starts running towards him. Yeah, that and was great. And he starts running towards her. And they just glide and fall to the ground. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Because, you know, at this point, Sam has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. What can she do? She knows, just, you know, at this point, being yeah. on the offensive is the best way to survive and putting her in billy's costume speaks volumes to where her character stands in this franchise there are only three characters who have worn that costume and they're all excruciatingly (laughs) important to the screen franchise billy sydney and sam sydney and yeah yeah absolutely and she comes out and uh you know he gets gets stabbed just like his son did she goes fucking ham on him maybe even more than 20 stabs i don't know it seemed like it went on forever forever and that her saying he's not she's not a killer and then he's like thank you thank you she's like but you did fuck with my family yeah boom yeah good i know i love how he's like he's like thank you thank you bitch fuck you yeah thank you to me and that last stab and i just love this is the only scream movie where i'm cringing at the murders everything yeah. else i'm sort of like i guess uh i don't know i'm just used to it at this point but like this yeah. one really got me with the kills i was like Oof, there's a shit. lot of facial trauma there was a nose stab <laughs> an eye stab and a mouth stab yeah see no evil speak no evil smell no evil <laughs> <laughs> next time they're gonna get stabbed in the butthole Okay. Fuck no evil. Yeah. Yeah. Shit no evil. Oh. <laughs> Fart no evil. Okay. <laughs> then we have the fake out. We have, you know, yeah. we, it wouldn't be a screen movie without a fake out. And I guess of all, I, there's only one that could really have come back, I guess, which is Ethan. And Miss Quinn has a bullet in her forehead. So he comes back. I do love that. Yeah. We said before Kirby dropping that, uh, the that, TV on stew. The TV or, on stew. Ethan, oh, sorry. Yeah. On Ethan. Right. I don't know how logistically that works because that would mean that thing would have to be really high. And I think it was... Or she would have to be tall and pick it up and throw it on. Yeah, I didn't... Right. It didn't... Uh, logistically, it makes it no work. sense, but I like the reference. But it's a good way to end it. And I love the line. Right. I saw that in a scary movie once. Oh, and that here feels very Kirby. our fucking... Well, he's Boy our friend. hero. But here comes, a, you know, a great accent to our hero with Danny leading the police in to I know. save the day. Exactly. Yes. And he he was the good guy all along. Ugh. So hot. So <laughs> here's what I don't like about this ending. That Chad lived. Yes. First that of all. That Chad lived. That Mindy lived. They didn't I'm sorry. develop his character enough to make us want him to live through two of these movies. Well, then, well, then it also cheapens the, the his big heroic moment of sacrificing himself so Tara could get away. Yeah, and here's the thing: I think that Mason Gooding is just a good time on set. They're gonna have a really hard time killing off these characters because they're yeah, so because established. It, right. Of course. I think. I th- and I think that yeah, they had such a bonding experience, especially probably on Scream Five because. 
you know, during, yeah. it was all during quarantine and they all had to live in the same hotel. Like, I, I, under, I understand they all love each other so much, but I, if they had to kill off Sonya, Amar, and the last one... They can kill off know, a few more. They can kill and off a few more. Jenna Ortega said that being the two screen movies so far that she's done have been so much fun that she said she'll just keep coming back no matter what. And I'm like, I love that dedication to it. I love they that. All see- Mason, the core four all seem like they're having a great fucking time doing these movies. So I love that. But at some point, we're going to need them to die. They, they gotta say goodbye to each other. Yeah. You know? Have a have a, their final dinner where they say thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of or you know for for this experience whatever but like yeah. we gotta think of the story. We, we can't do. just be letting these characters live every five fucking minutes after being brutally stabbed multiple times. And I honestly would love if they just planned this new trilogy and let it be. I'd I, I, yeah. I don't know if Scream... I don't need Scream 9, I 10. I don't need Scream 9, 10. No. I do Eight, think nine, that 10, this... No. It was so fucking great that we need a Scream 7, but I think that maybe that's where the road Let needs it be. to end. Yeah. yeah. Or Let at least be. the give Radio it, Silence an, universe of Scream. Right. Give it an epic ending. Bring back Sydney. Bring back Gale. Bring back the core four. You know, a couple other new ones. Or, you know, bring back Kirby. Danny. Danny. Yeah. Yeah, and all eight um, people who survived, <laughs> <laughs> literally, and you know, actually kill them. Have some balls, Radio Silence. You had big balls in this one, and you had some really intense things happen. But I need you guys to to kill them off. Okay, here's the two people I would save at the very end of a Scream franchise. Okay, Sydney and Tara. You think Sam has to die? I think so. I think she's gonna die. I think she would have to die too. It's gonna be a sacrificial moment where she saves Tara. Yes. I, you know, and and or she she can't she can't continue living because she does have this thing inside of her, this serial killer tendency that maybe there's no way that she can she can't live a normal life. Like yeah, she has. I think this and movie so set she, it up so that Tara ha, like she has ambitions, she has goals, she has uh, I think yeah. a little bit more opportunity yeah. than than Sam to yeah, live right. a normal and, life, and, right? And I think maybe Sam's purpose is to protect Tara. Yeah, th- there's going to be something sacrificial with all of these characters in the end, but I would love totally. to see them too standing last. It would be jarring if it was if everybody died. It was just uh, uh, Sydney and Gail again. <laughs> <laughs> And they bring back Dewey randomly <laughs> in a TV. Dom 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 dom. Okay, one more mention. Thank you for bringing back Red Right Hand. Thank you for bringing back yes. Trouble in Woodsboro. And thank yes. you for bringing back the fucking uh, Dewey theme song. I thought we were never gonna hear it again, but yeah, great tribute. We, yeah, we even got it in this movie. Uh, all right, well let's 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 kill this. All right. Um, final thoughts, final rating. Scream Six was fucking brilliant. This is yeah. this to me is the best sequel so far. I'm rating, I'm ranking it above Scream Two. It's taking ah! my number two spot of the best movie in the Scream franchise. I know some people don't really consider one as one of the greats, but that's crazy because that's the best fucking one. But Scream Six really is is true dedication to this franchise to make it something new, make always one up the other. Whereas Scream 5 was just kind of like a copycat of Scream 1. But this really shows off Radio Silence's ability to fucking pull this off because 
again, like I, I'm going to say, it, it is a bold statement, but Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven would have never been able to come up with this. It, this Agreed. is fucking brilliant. And, yeah, I think it's, I think it's yeah. great too. No, I think, I think why I love this movie so much is because while I do consider number one to be the best movie, my favorite movie is Scream, Scream 2. 2. Yeah. And so, I, but I can acknowledge that it's not as good as the first one, but it's still my favorite. So for this movie to have such reverence for the everything. sequels, for like that to me is everything. And I, and I yeah. do think that I, I would probably rank it up there. Not maybe not better, but at least equal. The screen yes. Because you're a Scream 2 fan because there's a bit of nostalgia in there, especially with Sarah Michelle Gellar being in it I know, and whatnot. I know, you know, I know, I know. But also, people really have a lot of reverence for Scream 4 because it was the first one they were able to see in theaters. Because the Scream yeah. fans are gen- typically in our age demographic. And, oh, yeah. Um, so Scream 4 is, is a number one for a lot of people. But for me, it's always going to be Scream 1 is number one. But this really edged its way up. And I acknowledge that without Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream 5, Scream 6 would have never happened. But this by far is the best sequel of any of the of the Scream franchise, for sure. One. For yes, me. absolutely. The writing is great. The directing is great. The performances are great. Everything, the set pieces, the all of those amazing iconic moments that will forever yeah. be part of Scream 6 were done so extremely well. I love the new cast. I love Quinn as a killer. I love the idea of the killers. It's just fantastic. Five out of five. Yeah. Six out of five for me. I think it's so good. Oh, it's, good one. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Everything that you said and more. The action is is ramped up. The characters that we were introduced to in the last movie are, feel so much more fleshed out. I There's so many... We didn't really touch on too many, but there are some really nice emotional moments for these characters where they they are able to express their empathy for each other or, or they are... We are really feeling what are getting to know what they're feeling which kind of reminds me of like scream 2 when like you know i'm not gonna break and you know i'm not glass you know things like that that it's really nice to to get back to like the emotional impact of what's happening and um yeah overall it's just and it follows the trajectory whereas scream 1 was scream 1 scream 5 is scream 5 scream 2 spoke to scream 1 but elevated scream 6 but to scream 5 but it elevated it and so now I'm nervous for Scream 7 that it might be another Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope that the, that they keep on getting better and better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We did it. Scream 6, y'all. I know oh you've been waiting God. for this episode. Uh, yes. I am so excited. Please follow us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. Um, and rate us on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there. You can also rate us five stars on Spotify. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. Sweet Scream 6, bitch. Ooh. (laughs) Bye.